This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Top of the morning to you. Dr. Matt here along with Jeff and Terry. The gang is gathered. And guess what? A lot of crazy stuff going on. Weird headlines. A coup in uh, Zimbabwe. If you even know much about the politics there, we've also got a boy, a major um, event averted in California, a shooting. They got the gunman actually shot four people, went to a school uh, to, I guess, do major harm. Luckily, the school was on lockdown and probably saved a lot of lives there. The gunman was eventually killed. And uh, Roy Moore being dropped now by the, the Senate Republican Committee for funding the National Committee, and uh, what do you do there? But now he's coming back saying this is just a you know, left-wing conspiracy trying to keep his Christian values out of the Senate. Is it possible he just made a mistake? What do you mean? Well, is it possible it's his fault? Nah, yeah. It, I mean, according to the, a lot of the media, a lot of the people, it was his fault. You hmm. shouldn't hang around with young Now the reports are in the 80s people. it was a mall and a YMCA he was banned from. Yeah, I, was, I saw that. But what do you do? I mean, he's going to keep going. Yep. Alabama, well, I mean, it. it's like you, they've known the guy for 40 years. They're saying it's not, you know. For his, his brand, for what he is espousing in that, that state, yeah. is that the establishment Republicans are not on your side. The Democrats obviously are not on your side. They're trying to take me down. I say I didn't do this. He's going to run because he has no reason not to because no. it's exactly what he has been talking about the whole time is that, look, they're trying to take – they're trying to stop what we want this country to be. That's right. And uh, uh, the attorney – the a female attorney that's representing one of the, the uh, women now that alleged to have had Roy Moore attack her, hmm. Gloria – all right, there you go. She's um, he's like she did the same thing to Donald Trump, right? In the election, she at the last minute tries to come in and tip him over, and <sighs> but boy, to have this all now tied up and blamed on Christian values really complicates. This is this is mm. a really good sign that this is politics as usual. Yeah, it's sad that it happened allegedly at a YMCA too, because that's a place where you can make real your dreams. Uh, I think you're thinking you can get of a good meal. Yeah, I think you're thinking can have a good time of a song, mm-hmm. not the YMCA. I don't know. I've had lots of good times at the YMCA. <laughs> That's according to people from a wide variety of occupations: construction <laughs> workers, police officers, yeah, yeah. Native American. Right. It's a great testimonial. <laughs> and by the way, a great rhythm to the whole thing. Um, boy, crazy stuff going on. It really is. A, it's This is just one of those days where you think, really? Two things. Sean Hannity gave uh, Roy Moore 24 hours to clean up the his, his, his comments on yeah. this because he said that doesn't quite fit. Oh, good. So Hannity's on it. Uh, Rush Limbaugh yesterday pointed out that when Roy Moore did all this, he was a Democrat. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> That's what he said. Okay. So, yeah, he was a Democrat at this time. No one's really pointing that out. So maybe he was brainwashed at the time? <laughs> that is... He said he could, if everyone knew about this and he was a Democrat and no one did anything about this, this is the Democrats' fault. 
Well, it seems to be mm. the Republicans' fault now. Well, yeah. Now you got a senator coming in that's probably going to win, I would assume. I mean, unless all of a sudden Alabama turns around. I don't that, know. Isn't he ahead in the polls? The polls are really close depending on which ones you look at. And as we've known from previous elections and even from the election last week in Virginia, local polls, not so accurate. Way off. <laughs> Man, how many other messes that the Democrats have made do the Republicans have to come in and clean up? There you go. Boy, complicated. <laughs> I did not know he said that. Uh, but it's interesting. So Hannity's saying, clean this up. Yeah. He says the, 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 the statements he has made have not uh, like settled the issue. They no. haven't been, you know, like you, you want to have a, a, you want to have a statement that kind of cleans it up that says, this is why this is not, this no, isn't true and that kind of thing. He, but he's he already do? said yeah. he didn't know the woman, but right. he signed her yearbook. Well, and then uh, I think Hannity, or Hannity was probably more talking about the interview he had with Roy Moore where they, he asked him, have you had, did you have relationships with these girls or, or girls that young? He was talking about just teenagers yeah, in general. Yeah, he said, yeah. generally, no. Right. Which isn't a no. It's like, well, not really. Hmm. Okay. And so vague comments like that have uh, apparently have not convinced Mr. Hannity at this point. Hmm. Well, because maybe if you've had like one or two or five relationships, that doesn't mean that you're you routinely have relationships with young people. Were they even relationships or were they just visits to the Y? <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing is that he's not going to give you more data. He can't clear it up because he's already said he didn't know the woman. Right. But others are saying, no, he was banned from malls and they knew that he had a reputation. And the reputation was when you see him, you walk the other way. Hannity also may be feeling pressure of uh, advertisers pulling out. No, that's a big deal. And deciding to, well, maybe we will clean up my response yeah. to this whole thing with this. Ultimatum. That's why I love De- uh, Diddy Dental, one of our great sponsors, because mm. they, they don't pull out uh, no matter what dumb things we say. No, they just install grills. That's kind of their yeah. deal. Yeah, they're grill installers. So uh, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to this morning? As uh, you mentioned, at least four people killed in a random shooting rampage in Northern California in Tehama County in on Tuesday, I believe is how you say it, this side of the Washington Post. The attack reportedly follows a domestic violence incident involving the suspected, the suspected shooter who was killed by police. The alleged shooter, armed with a semi-automatic rifle and two handguns, opened fire on at least seven sites in the rural region, including an elementary school. A number of children were wounded, although none were reportedly killed. The gunman appeared to be randomly picking targets, according to NBC wow. Bay Area. Police say the shooter had an ongoing dispute with a woman who lived in his neighborhood. That woman, who filed a restraining order against him earlier this year, was one of the first to be killed in the rampage. So they, maybe that really? was the trigger, and then he just decided to take off. So, I mean, Head down the road. It's interesting that we're all one big network here, right? So one neighborly dispute leads to the shooting a neighborly dispute with Rand paul leads to being tackled you are your neighbor's keeper and in it, a weird way and as you said it could have been worse if the uh, school oh, officials didn't imagine? lock the school down when they heard gunshots we'd be doing another story yeah hmm. uh, attorney general jeff sessions insisted tuesday that he had been answering congress's questions to the best of his ability during several congressional hearings sessions made the claim while appearing before the house judiciary committee last week 17 house democrats signed a letter written to sessions that announced their atten- intention to 
impress the Attorney General on a statement made during his January confirmation hearing when he claimed he was not aware of any contacts between Russian officials and members of Trump's campaign. To that end, Sessions said in a forceful, prepared remarks, I will not accept and I reject accusations that I have ever lied. That's a lie. That he has ever lied. So the accusation that he lied is a lie. Yeah. One of the uh, Democratic House members asked, pointed out that as they were questioning him, he said, I do not recall, I do not remember, I, you know, I he know said that like, like seven times, <laughs> and he goes, is that correct? And he goes, I'm not aware of the actual number. So even then, he didn't remember how many times he had said it in the meeting yeah. he was sitting in. See, that's like, you're trapped, so you're, you're kind of done when they're... Yeah. Circling you, but that's what we're going to be talking about: lying, and is it a problem when elected officials lie? Because we've been lied to a lot lately, right? I mean, I mean not just President Trump, but President Obama was known for it, the lie on his health care initiative, and so is it's it almost a, like nobody cares anymore because well, nobody believes them anyway. It's like in politics: is it a lie, or am I just telling you just the part of the truth I want you to know? Yeah. It's a lie. We'll leave out the rest of that. You know, it's it's that kind of feeling sometimes yeah. where you're just, you, you yeah. have your agenda. Mm-hmm. The whole truth doesn't match. So I'm just going to give you that one part. It's a lot you feel to good. remember for you people. This sure. meeting this meeting that Jeff Sessions was basically in this uh, hearing for. I remember it. He was sitting next to the Papadopoulos guy who, who walked was. in and said, hey, I can do it. We can have this meeting with, yeah. with Vladimir Putin. And then Sessions said, no, we're not going to do that. Well, if Sessions admits that happened, then he lied the last time he was in front of Congress. Yeah. So he's saying, I don't know, this meeting was a while ago. And they have photos. He's sitting next to him. Yeah. It's, ah, what are you going to do? Uh, Max. So close to a lie, but wasn't a lie. A new Quinnipiac, I never say that right, yeah. poll released Tuesday showed American voters disapprove of media coverage of President Trump by a 20-point margin, hmm. but also trust the media to tell the truth about important issues. Okay, hold it. Wait, huh? Oh, huh? Hmm? We get, they they trust the media to tell the truth, but they're pretty sure they're not. He's not. They're not telling it on Trump. Yeah. Okay. So it says the poll showed fifty eight percent of those surveyed disapprove of the way the media covers Trump, while thirty eight percent of those polled said they approve. Fifty four percent say they trust the media to tell the truth about important issues more than Trump, while thirty four percent said they they trusted the okay. president more. So okay. They okay. So it sounds like. The people the Quinne, Quinnipiac poll tested, uh, yeah. they're all confused. <laughs> Apparently. They don't know who to trust anymore. I was reading that last night. What's going on? Okay. Yeah. Ran through it a few times. Like, okay. But I, okay, so they don't trust necessarily Trump to tell the truth, but yeah. they, they trust the media a little bit more to tell the truth on important issues, but not on issues relating to Trump. Possibly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> Just keeping it clear. And finally. Yes. Big movie news. What? I know you don't roll your eyes. No, I just this did. is important. Too late. For the My eyes were done rolled of cinema in this country. Okay, there's been a problem with Rotten Tomatoes, the website. Oh yeah, that gives you your ratings. I've never understood that. People are there. You go. Okay. People are are people. When I say people, I mean you know directors, production houses, people that own these movies. They put them out, and then Rotten Tomatoes they they aggregate all the reviews, and they come back and say, eh, it's thirty percent. No, right. Don't watch this. Right. And so then people don't go watch the movie, say, like uh, the Baywatch that came out. This is one of the movies well, they yeah, say. Well, no, that's obvious. It just didn't look funny. Well, they're saying their movie could have performed better if Rotten Tomatoes didn't give it such a horrible right. tomato meter 
Well, maybe if they made it reading better, well, it's there's, the movie. Oh, there's you better blame the producers and directors and actors and writers. So the big movie this week is Justice League. Okay. Right? This is one of your movies. Right. You can't save the world alone, Matt. No doubt That's there. That's their tagline. So Even totally though true. a couple of them have in their movies. Yeah, but so whatever. it's kind mm-hmm. of a lie. Uh, Justice League reviews uh, will start coming out early Wednesday morning. The studio imposed an embargo that lifts at 2.50 a.m. Eastern, November 15th. So today. Okay. But anyone who's wondering whether the film will be deemed fresh or rotten by Rotten Tomatoes will have to wait another day for the site to reveal its ratings. And that is... Raising some, raising some eyebrows. Oh, interesting. So they're holding off. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is saying, not sure yet on the yeah. rating, the Co- percentage. A couple of weeks ago on October 31st, Rotten Tomato announced the launch of a weekly show called Rotten Tomatoes See It, Skip It, which is broadcast on no, Facebook. I that one. Yeah. It's broadcast on Facebook via their watch platform. They have a little yeah. the tab you can click and watch live shows. So right. they have their TV show. The whole point of the TV show is to reveal the yeah. big score of the big movie for the week. Okay. That and TV show comes out Thursday. So they're going to wait for that. They're holding the score for their TV show so they can drive people to watch their TV show. Okay. Mm, well, right? It actually sounds like they're just paying homage to Hollywood. Sounds like DC maybe said, okay, it's probably not going to be that good. So just if you could hold it off as yeah. long as possible. What is it, what's it going to cost us so to get the, you the, the whole to point not... is the tomato, the, the big you know, thrust of the show is here is our tomato meter score reveal. And then mm-hmm. that show comes out Thursday nights. So they're holding it for Thursday. It'll, be, uh, it'll air at 12.01 a.m. on Thursday, November 16th. Okay. So we so have the, to stay up until midnight? No, nah, you can watch it whenever Nobody you want. Stays up the choice midnight. to hold back Justice League score has some interesting ramifications. The link between the tomato meter score and box office returns varies by film. A high score may boost a smaller film's chance of success, for instance. Hmm. But a show like Justice League has got kind of a built-in audience. If it's bad, it's, people will still yeah. go see it. If it's good, more people will see it. But either way, it's going to make uh, some, you know, whatever amount of money it's going to make. Is this the only movie they've done this on? Uh, yeah. So is this a new thing it's going a, it's, forward? It's a new thing, but the problem is right here. It's also worth noting that Warner Brothers, the studio behind Justice League, <laughs> holds a minority stake in Fandango, which owns Rotten Tomatoes. It's Sorry, there was, a dr- there was a dramatic pause before, so, though. Dun, 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 you've dun. heard of Fandango. Yeah. It's where you go online and buy some tickets. <laughs> they purchase Rotten Tomatoes. So when you go buy these tickets on Fandango, next to your ticket purchase, it gives you the tomato oh, meter rating. Boy. So what they're saying is because people go there and they look at it, oh, it's only 30%. I'll go watch another movie. Mm-hmm. That drives ticket sales down. This is a conspiracy. They're it's a huge conspiracy. Buyer beware. If you're going to be Fandangoed, you're, you're going to have issues with the tomatoes. Yeah. But I mean, there, you, you've uh, Jeff, you've done segments on. Kind of, have you talked about this kind of the, the effect and the complaints about the tomato meter? And, oh sure, and yeah. we also I, I spoke with my guest about name a movie that had a high critic score that you hated, and name a movie with a low critic score that you loved. Because there's often that uh, you know discrepancy between the critic score yeah. and the audience score. You know, is that common? So, Oh, yeah. It happens frequently. G- give me a movie where the critics didn't like it, but the peeps did. Uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Oh, yeah. Had like a really that. low... And I enjoyed it. I did, too. I love a good beheading. <laughs> but it's just... So, so there, that was there's, a good movie. There's this conspiracy in Hollywood that Rotten Tomatoes actually drives interest in your movie down. Right. 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 
And so the one time they decide we're going to hold back on releasing the score early is when it's a movie that has ownership connections with your parent company. I think they should mm. flaunt. I think they should flaunt the low Rotten Tomato score. If you're, if you know, if you're a DC film, they did it with Suicide Squad. It just got trashed on Rotten Tomatoes, right. and it just broke all sorts of records at the box office. Interesting. They well, should they should put it out as a statement of, we don't care. We've already got your money. <laughs> Do you think that this will? Uh, well, they've had mine for a couple weeks. So you're right. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the problem with buying your tickets early. Why? I was going to watch the movie anyway. Yeah, but then you don't know what the tomatoes it are good, bad, or matter. other. No, but it, it should. Really doesn't it matter. Should. It really should. You know, maybe you see that rotten tomato. Don't look at it as a rotten tomato. Just look at it as a fried green tomato. Mm. And some people really love those. That's true. Yeah, some like that movie. Do you think? And ta- the book. We're talking about it right now. Uh, this. Are people going to no longer trust Rotten Tomatoes? I don't know. I mean, there's people that – there's another site called Metacritic, mm-hmm. and there's different – even though they're both kind of coming at it from the same approach, but they weigh things differently in the – however they, they come up with the score. Yeah. And so if you really want to get into the weeds on it, you can look at the math. Oh, why would you Why would that? you want to do that? So, I mean, there's this idea that they're 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 weighting it in a negative way to begin with, it seems right. like. So I, I, I take it as a word of caution. Don't take it as like this is uh, the exact representation of what this movie should be. Just it's, mm. it's another opinion as you look at you when you try to figure it's out another movie to go see. 10,000 opinions. Well, so basically, what would you say is a, the lowest passing grade in school? The lowest passing grade? Uh, 55%. 55%, right? Is it? So you take somebody that's given the film. <laughs> let's say somebody is giving this a film a 55%, and then you have somebody that's giving the film a 99%. Those two reviews show up as positive reviews. So you have somebody that like thinks barely, barely doesn't hate it, and then you have somebody that thinks it's the greatest ah. thing in the world, and it's basically the same score. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, yeah that's a bad deal. I don't like that. Hmm. Now they're just playing with the numbers. The other side, you could just go see the movies you're interested in and not worry about other people's opinions. Just watch it and go, oh, I guess that was okay. Yeah, but you're but you're, you're risking, it wasn't. Well, you're risking, what, $100 because it's getting so expensive to go to movies and buy popcorn. Well, they get somebody else to buy you a gift card and then there's no money lost. That's why I wait for you guys to go to the movies and then I listen to what you say and yeah. then I go choose a more interesting movie. See? There you go. Hmm. That's what I do. I want you to name one movie that I've recommended to you that you've liked. Anyway, up next we're going to be talking uh, wow. with Allison Mueller. Or is it Mueller? Mueller. No, Mueller. I like that movie you recommended the other day. Matchstick Men? Matchstick Men. I mean, I didn't know you could do so much with a bunch of matchsticks. thought it was fantastic. That was really a good movie. So there's one. Anyway, uh, fun times. We we are going to uh, be talking up next to um, Allison Mueller, who is a Ph.D. candidate, and her research was on elected officials that are lying. And is it a problem? Is it just part of the norm? Is it part of the status quo? Do people even care anymore? We're talking about political liars straight ahead on The Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, friends. You know, what do you do when you know that your children are lying to you? Hmm? Time to ground them? Time to, you know, take away their cell phone? Well, how about if a public uh, a politician is out there lying to you, what do you do to hold them accountable? Do we do anything? Does anything work? Or do we now just expect our officials to lie? Because we see it in story after story after story. In fact, half of the news we reviewed this morning was uh, was about lying and questions of lying. So to help us kind of walk through this is a Ph.D. candidate, Allison Mueller, from the University of Illinois at Chicago. And she has been uh, focusing her research on the dark side of morality, how and why people behave immorally in everyday life. And uh, today she's going to be talking about some of her research she's been doing. Allison, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. And good luck finishing your... Uh, PhD. That's it's fun once you get to candidate status because you only have like a few more years of pain. Exactly. I'm rounding the last leg of the journey. Oh, isn't that it's been a long one. I'm so happy for you. Um, Thank you. Talk to me, Allison, about this because again, in the news, we we hear about it all the time. We from the and you brought it up in your articles or in articles that's been brought up um, along with your work. Uh, Trump and the Scout Jamboree saying that he was was thanked by the Boy Scout leaders. That eventually came out basically to be a lie. Um, President Obama lied about we can keep our doctors. Now Jeff Sessions is being mm-hmm. supposedly caught in a lie. What 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 is going on? And and um, when you look at it just as a researcher, what what you could research anything around. Why did you choose to kind of get into this area of research? Well, in general, we were curious about specifically why political figures lie, like um, the politicians we see on the news today. But actually, the reason why we were inspired to do this research is not really related to politicians in the news. Um, In 2014, actually, a famous monologue deliverer, Mike Daisy, went on National Public Radio and in front of the whole country claimed that Apple had horrible, unethical manufacturing practices in their factories in China. So like your iPhones and your Mm. iPods were manufactured really unethically. Um, And after that aired on This American Life, they found out that he had completely fabricated many of the shocking details. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, and they had a subsequent retraction episode, and Ira Glass, the host of This American Life, just point blank asked Mike Daisy why he felt compelled to lie to the public, and Daisy said that he felt justified because it got people to care about a cause that he thought was morally important. Wow, Um, okay. So using a lie to enroll people. Yes, exactly. So uh, that was really the event that inspired us, not really the uh, the recent scandals in politics. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we started the research in 2014, way before the 2016 election. Okay, so teach us, talk to us about how do you, I mean, so how do you research lying? How are you going about your study? Um, so in our study, we had people evaluate public figures who lied. So the participants themselves didn't do the lying. We were just looking to see whether they tolerated other people's lives. Hmm. And we had them read basically uh, what looked like almost like a radio transcript. So 
Um, for instance, on uh, National Public Radio, they always post online a transcript of the whole interview. So we essentially took like a transcript and presented it to the participants. And it was a very impassioned transcript about um, why we should fund Planned Parenthood. And participants were told that it was aired over National Public Radio and it was very wide reaching. So like over 100,000 people had downloaded the podcast. Um, and then we manipulated whether they learned that it was actually true or false, according to several different fact checking organizations. Um, so that's really how we manipulated lying in this study. Did the public figure over the radio station lie to serve that cause to get people to care about funding Planned Parenthood? Or did they tell the truth and engage in honest advocacy? Interesting. Um, what yeah, did, what did you that, find? Just... What data came out? <laughs> um, so after we asked them how much they tolerated those lies and how acceptable they found them, uh, we found that uh, regardless of whether the monologue was honest or dishonest, people who shared that moral conviction that it's right to fund Planned Parenthood they were much more tolerant and found it much more acceptable to deliver the monologue compared to people who didn't see the issue in moral fervor. Yeah. So, so we're we biased were, in our we're biased toward the lie if we believe in that cause. Yes. Yeah. Especially if we see it as uh, a moral issue, an issue of right and wrong. So isn't that like amazing? That's, yeah. that's great data because we, we see that. I mean, a lot of people had, uh, you know, maybe moral issues with President Trump, but uh, he's a Republican. So we, right. you know, people would vote for him or um, that that is. So so what does this mean? I mean, I guess it just means that our morality is movable. It's a we adjust. We adjust our scale depending on what's being presented. Yeah, so we're we're thinking that people's perceptions of like lying, they see it especially when their moral convictions are on the line. They see lying as like a norm that they could potentially just break. Um so that's how we're trying to look at it. Like I think lying because it's so common in everyday life, uh people's perceptions of how right or wrong lying is kind of changes depending on what's being lied about and whether right. it benefits their cause or not. So um, that's, that's how we're looking at it, at least. Do you, do you sense, um, uh, for example, uh, where is it? Washington Post came out with an article, you know, a fact checker, checker article that says President Trump has made 1,628 false or misleading claims over 298 days. Um, so do you sense maybe what it is, is everyone's so frustrated with Trump's truth issues, but maybe what he's getting is he's onto this idea that if people just see lying not as a principle, an eternal rule, um, that it's maybe just more of a norm that can be adjusted, maybe he's just playing the game with with your findings. Yeah, it it very well could be. Um and I don't think it's necessarily even restricted to, um, for instance, like people like Trump. I think it, it's also characteristic of kind of every election. Yeah. So in the 2016 election, for example, 
um, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, their truth ratings, according to PolitiFact, like that check back, fact-checking organization, yeah. I think they had 30% of the claims they made were lies. So it's not just a Trump problem. Yeah, it no. seems like this is just very common in politics in general on both sides of the political spectrum. Unbelievable. And it's and, and honestly, I guess I guess we're I guess we're okay with it. I mean, overall because yeah. it's just it's almost the standard. Is the same thing true um I mean, cuz you you gave an example uh that maybe it, I guess it could be seen as a political issue, but it's it's kind of um, it, it's uh, it's also a social issue. So, is this? Do you see the same data on social issues versus political issues? Um, do you? What do you mean by social? Well, I mean, I guess like something more just like um, racism isn't necessarily a oh. political issue, but it is a social issue. So, but if we have yeah. racist beliefs, are we more okay with people lying as long as it supports our racist belief? So, is it um, any belief? Yeah, that brings up a great point. So um, the way that my lab at UIC defines morality is very fluid. So we essentially don't make any claims on what issues or whether they be social, like you're saying, or political. We don't define any given issue as morally relevant or not. We actually just ask participants, to what extent is this issue morally relevant to you personally? Yeah. So because of that, one person or a group of people could potentially see racism with moral fervor, that it's a matter of right and wrong. And for those people who see it as a moral issue, we might predict that they might be more tolerant for lies that serve that viewpoint compared to people who don't see it as a moral issue. Yeah, Um, that's fascinating. So yeah, our... Our approach is a lot more fluid than other researchers who tend to state claims about what's morally relevant or what's not. We let participants tell us what they think is morally relevant, and we actually see a lot of variability in the issues that people attach moral significance to. Hmm. So it seems like, and you tell me, is it more fluid then? Is our morality, I guess, more fluid as a society as a whole and more rigid in our house? In my home, so uh, am I. Am I um, a stronger judge of morality and lying if it's in my home, because we seem to have my standard allegedly or supposedly of morality versus am I and am I more loose outside of my home? Hmm. Uh, I honestly am not sure. We. I'm not sure, like, how many opportunities people really get within their own home to, to um, test it, like, tra- transgress for yeah. a moral cause. Yeah. So, um, and also, just uh, as a clarification, whatever people see, even though there is variability in what issues people moralize, once they do see an issue in moral conviction terms, they're very rigid about it. So... There's like variability between like a whole population and what issues are moralized. But for the individual, their set of moral convictions are very rigid. They're willing to do whatever it takes to serve them. Um, so so once they've moved. That. Yeah, that's a good point. Once they've moved to a decision, a moral decision on an issue, then they get become fairly rigid on it. Yeah. And they uh, are 
Lab's research suggests that people see their moral convictions as universally true, as self-evident as two plus two equals four, mm-hmm. um, and ex- extremely motivational. So people are extremely motivated to serve moral causes that they see in those terms. Yeah. So, yeah, they're willing to, in this research lie, um, our other research suggests in our lab group that they're also more willing to uh, distance themselves from people who disagree with them, behaviorally discriminate against people who morally disagree with them. Um, so they're very motivated to serve those beliefs. Interesting. Does it, it seems like, um, it, it, does, does this bring us satisfaction? Um, like what's what's the positive of it? Because it seems like what we're doing is we're always then in a battle or a fight, uh, or looking for a way to you know discriminate or kick people out of the circle. Yeah, well, I think that's the positive, the plus side of moral convictions that, admittedly, we're not really focusing on in this research is that people. Um, are motivated to be politically engaged for their beliefs. So that's a positive. People are voting more when they see an issue in moral terms or a candidate uh, with moral conviction. Um, so that's a positive. I guess, uh, I guess, except a silver lining. It, it might be a silver lining unless they're completely in the, in the wrong. Or, I mean, like, unless they're completely yeah. misled. True. Yeah. So, so now they're all morally and politically, or they're all politically engaged, voting like crazy, but they don't even have the data. Yeah, that's that's the, the potential, potential outcome. Yeah. Oh, Allison, yeah. look what luckily, you've uncovered. I, <laughs> luckily, we are not uh, assigned the task of deciding right. like normatively what's right or wrong. Right. That's a completely different animal. No, totally. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's hard to make claims about what should be right and wrong right. versus just describing what people see as right and wrong. No, that's it. I mean, I think it's just really important to, for all of us to look at our own uh, compass and say, you know, we're willing we're willing to, you know, vote with a liar or follow a liar or be excited and active about a liar if their lies align with our beliefs. Right. And it it might be a good idea um, for people. I think it's what we also found in our research is that if you disagree with that moral viewpoint, you you hold the person accountable. So it might be tempting to always, you know, point the finger at the other side or the other political party and Mm -hmm. claim that they lie all the time. But our research suggests that people on both sides. They're all doing it. Might be. Yeah, they might succumb to this bias kind of thinking does is this different than it was 50 years ago that's a great question um i don't have the data for that even though uh, and i've only seen a handful of elections because i'm only 30 years old so i can't tell you like way back but just anecdotally everybody seems to say that the time that we're living in now is just fake news everywhere um, political lies, corruption, a lot more than in the past. And it might be, I mean, I haven't done the research, but I would be very interested to mm. see over time how has this tendency changed in terms of like 
political lies in elections. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess one thing we are hearing a lot more about, too, is more about fake news. I guess we're finding more news that's that's just conjured up and fake. And yet it can apparently sway elections because we believe it. Right. Is there a way and I'm sure I mean, this isn't the focus of your research, but what would you teach your children someday about how to kind of recognize the fluidity of your morality and your willingness to believe stuff simply because it's aligned to what you want to believe? What would you teach them to to manage well, this better? I think that it might be important to just be open to listening to what the other side is calling out about your own party. So, uh, is, and we know that this is very difficult to actually do in practice. So both liberals and conservatives hate hearing the other side's perspective. Right. Uh, and we know that from research, but, um, then again, the other side might be the only ones really holding you accountable. Um, so, I don't know. Research needs to see how to actually undo this kind of effect because it it seems to be very sticky and hard to turn off mm. and to get people to stop and think about what they're doing. But um, in terms of teaching like your children, I don't know. I think there's there's something to be said that the other side might hold you accountable and then maybe pay attention to it because people on your side and yourself are motivated to to just let it go and yeah no, the other it's, side might hold you accountable it really is it's great research Allison Mueller thank you so much uh, it, I mean really that's it's a pretty amazing study um, Allison's getting her PhD and will will be done soon I'm, I'm assuming she's at the University of Illinois at Chicago. And uh, we appreciate the insight, how fluid our morality is. And is it possible that, you know, your, your politics are deeply guided by what you believe, not by the facts, not by the data? And we see it in almost every discussion. There's just a, an argument about what the facts are. But in reality, most of us may not even care. As long as, as it, you know, is aligned to what I want to happen or believe, I'll believe it. Even if I know it's a lie, I'll believe it. I'll I'll somehow conjure it into not a lie, but a unicorn gift. Who knows? Boy, straight ahead, we'll continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show, a little Coach's Corner up next. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! Play ball, friends! You know, um, we talk about lying. It's really easy to uh, beat up our politicians for it um, more and more. I mean, I really think what President Trump is doing is he's just shining a big, a really enormous spotlight on a problem we've always had, which is which our last guest just talked about. The idea of lying is it's very subjective, right? And we, we're going to find the lie that fits the belief system that we that we have. So it's easy to beat up the politicians. It's easy to be amazed by President Trump's numbers when it comes to you know what was it sixteen hundred lies in three hundred day less than three hundred days, um, not lies but misstatements or mis you know unsubstantiated true or facts. Um, 
So, but here's a bigger question, I think, that you might want to look at. How are you doing in the honesty department in your own life? How honest and true are you? And is honesty always the best policy? Um, I'd be careful. We, I mean, I love the idea. I love the I, the thought of honesty is the best policy. One problem is um, sometimes, you know, if, you're, if your wife or your spouse says, hey, do I look fat in this outfit or these clothes? They may not be going for honesty. Sometimes they may be going for just reassurance, compassion, you know, love, um, positivity. So we can be honest, but you can also, you know, might be missing the deeper point. But when it comes to each and every one of us in our lives, how honest are we really? Uh, Some of the things that we lie for and lie about Uh, We have a lot of great justification, right? So sometimes we'll lie to spare our partner's feelings. We lie to make ourselves look good or feel good. Uh, We lie to show that we're better than we are. We lie to keep the peace sometimes. Um, But in the end, what all of those might be is are just facts that you're lying because you don't know any other way to do it. So you may not want to default to the lie, not just because you're going to get caught, not because it's just immoral and unethical, because, but it might also be that you lie because you don't have the tool set. You don't have a broad enough set of skills to be able to find another way to handle this situation. Uh, some of the things that we lie about in our relationships, our past, past relationships, we lie about how, we, how and when we spend our money. We lie about indiscretions and sins that are going on in our relationships, weaknesses or imperfections. We lie a lot of times when our egos are threatened, when, this, when our identity is now up in question. I've had clients that hadn't had a job for six months, pretended to go to work every day, and then their spouse found out that they were lying. I had a, a client once that was playing video games at a university for about a year. <laughs> doing really well in the video game world, but never went to class, but was still running up charges and, um, you know, lied for a year about attending school. And it's, think about it, how devastating that is to our trust, to our relationships. But uh, most importantly, I guess, think about you. We can get mad at all the candidates in the world. We can get mad at politicians and Washington. But are you being honest in your, in your life? Are you being honest emotionally? Are you, are you real with your feelings? Do you share your feelings? When you're down and you're bummed and you're frustrated and your spouse says, what's wrong? And you're like, nothing, I'm fine. Do you go play that game? Or do you know how to share your emotions with others? Uh, are, you, are you honest about your history, <laughs> your past? Um, remember, you're probably less likely to get over your past, move on from your past, Take your past into a new future if you're not going to be more honest with yourself. Are you honest about your present-day reality? You know, there's a million situations out there that that can be going on in your business life, in your social life, in your spiritual life. And if you're not honest, then you're you're just not ever going to deal with or get out of the problem. And are you honest about your future? Do you ever lie about your future life? Yeah, you know, someday we're going to retire and we'll be able to go get a house in Tahiti. Well, maybe not if you're not putting any money away in your in your 401k. Maybe retirement's just a big lie. So if we could maybe align to some more uh, what they call radical honesty, it, it might be a little healthier for all of us. And 
again, be more honest about your own political views. It's sometimes it's hard if if a candidate is lying and is not representing your values. It may not matter at all if they're in the GOP or they're in the Democratic Party, right? So quit lying that it matters which party they're in um, because if they're lying, they're lying. And uh, it's too easy to say, well, I'll just vote for them because we really need to get a Democrat in there or we need to really get a Republican in there. Instead, it might be really powerful if all of us stand up and start demanding a little more character from our elected officials and maybe more importantly from ourselves. Just a little thought from Dr. Matt. We will continue the journey straight ahead. More news to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier, happier life. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, uh, as we gather, you know, Terry and Jeff and I, we sit in a tiny little room, pretty much three hours straight, looking at each other. It's not that tiny. We, we Cell block two, we call this it. This is a little bit bigger than my childhood bedroom. Really? Yeah. It is. It's a nice size room. If you If we had beds in here. I had a, I had a large bed, so yeah. He was that. just saying it seems small, maybe because of the company involved. Yeah, in the equation. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Anywho, um, so we always come up with really interesting research and ideas, and Terry has been uh, di- digging really deep. If you had access to a kitchen that would make anything you possibly could want. Oh wow! Yeah. Like say it'd be Italian or Greek. That's President sure. Trump does. Yeah. He well, could eat anything he wants because yeah. the White House will make him anything. What would you ask them to make you? Lasagna. Okay. Every the, day, twice a day. Just the greatest lasagna possible. Mm-hmm. Jeff? No vegetable lasagna. I would say, I. ooh, you know what? I would just say a homemade, well, you can't home make it, but a roast. Okay. Roast and potatoes, carrots, uh, celery. That, that would be like a really good Sunday Gravy, dinner. dip it in some sourdough uh-huh. bread. Uh-huh. Mm. So a um, profile of a former Trump bodyguard reveals that the president is also a huge McDonald's fan. Oh, yeah. And to a point where he asked the White House chefs to recreate the Quarter Pounder <laughs> and the Apple Pie. Big fan of both. Really? Yeah. So what he's going for is he just wants someone to run to McDonald's. So as this article from uh, Eater.com suggests, this McNugget of information (laughs) was tucked into a political piece on Keith Schiller, Trump's former bodyguard, who was director of Oval Office Operations until September. So they're trying to get info on this bodyguard and what it was like to be the bodyguard of Trump. He's been with him for years. He's his personal confidant, all that kind of stuff. But it ran into the McDonald's theme. Not only do we learn that Trump's prefers burger is a quarter pounder with cheese, but also he enjoys the rather youthful preference of extra ketchup, no pickles. Turns out the White House kitchen was asked to replicate both the burger and apple pie, uh, but they couldn't match it to the satisfaction of the McDonald's origins, perhaps because White House chefs work at higher graded ingredients than so McDonald's does. They were fired. I don't know if they were fired, but You're they... Fi- but they failed. So those failures met Schiller, the bodyguard, who was a relatively senior White House figure, director of Oval Office Operations, was dispatched to a McDonald's to pick up the meal for Trump. Wow. 
I mean, you can have you got the best chefs in the country, and yeah. uh, you're sending your guy out to McDonald's. It I also, mean, I get it. You get that hankering. You need that sugar or that salt fix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plenty of sugar in there too. So it says that also the profile also showed that the bodyguard. Uh, at least in 2016 presidential campaign, but also head to McDonald's near LaGuardia to pick up an Egg McMuffin oh, yeah. in the breakfast hours and two quarter pounders and a large fry later in the day. Oh, that's it. Maybe he just needs to branch out a little bit more. Maybe try a Burger King. A little Taco Bell. Up next, uh, we'll continue the journey, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here along with Terry South and Jeffrey. Liam Simpson, the gang's all here. Hey-oh. <laughs> Got a great program for you today. We have got a lot to cover, um, news headlines, a great guest coming up as well, uh, talking about how surprising uh, some new science out about infectious behaviors and viral emotions. You got to be careful. You could be spreading a behavior. You could be sharing an emotion like you do, like a sneeze on an airplane Emotions can, you know, get caught up through the filters. Isn't that just every day on social media, though? Oh, yeah. On anything that people say? Have you ever um, done the the, uh, talking – what's it called? So I used to be really probably addicted to talk radio. Okay. I don't know why. Well, I mean, you kind of still are. You just can't stop coming in every single day. No, but the difference is now I talk before I just listened. It's so really? much. Everybody is that needs what you tell your clients too. Mm-hmm. I talk, you listen. Yeah, you're not paying me to listen to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your flapper and let me just tell you how it is. But it, I was going nuts listening to talk radio, and it was what actually what it was. It was every it was these elections. I mm. I listened to everything. I watched everything. I watched all the cable networks, and they were spreading their infectious emotions. And I really believe it even leads to eventually behavior. So it was rubbing, starting to rub off on you yeah. then? Yeah. And so I quit. I quit. I quit listening to it. I really? disconnected it from my car. So in my car, I'm either listening to a, a, a podcast or I'm listening, I'm listening to articles. I'm, so I'm reading articles while I drive. Yeah. Without reading them, I listen to them. And or I'm listening to some really great music. I don't understand how you can listen to those articles in fast forward motion with the computerized voice. Yeah. That sounds like a surprising science of infectious behaviors and viral emotions. Well, they're not. No, that that's not what they, they don't speak through it's, a stoma. It sounds like a speaking spell. No, they're getting a lot better. Now it sounds like <laughs> a really advanced speaking spell. Oh, Okay. I mean, I don't you remember the old speaking spell? <laughs> like that was no. This is now they're getting really good. They're, every once in a while, they don't know how to pronounce a word, but my brain has already figured that out. I mm. look at them as if they're an alien life form coming to visit us and want to talk to me about politics. Oh, that's what I really. Say. So you think if an alien life force 
visited this planet. Yeah. I'm not saying it hasn't already. No, it did yesterday. They would want to talk to you about politics. Oh, for sure. Don't do you, you, I don't you, think they're interested in politics, or at least not ours. You really think if a if a if a person from another planet, what do we call them? If a being from another planet okay. came to this Earth, you don't think they'd be fascinated by Trump? <laughs> you don't think that, do you? I think they're beyond that. Do you? Yes. Are you kidding me? Have you gone to the supermarket and seen what's on every National Enquirer's headline? Because what if aliens and Trump? What if their president is like twenty times crazier? Oh yeah, good point. Good point. What if they're not? Huh? Hmm? Huh? What if you know he's like Nelson Mandela to them? <laughs> it could happen. That's what's so great. We don't know what's out there. That's why we've got to keep NASA going. We know that the truth is out there. Yeah, and you know what else we know? It'll set you free. Let's uh, <laughs> let's be set wow. free now. By um, are you serious? You just said wow is all you, you said. said? Wow, like yeah. that sounded judgmental. No, I think the truth hit him. Yeah, the truth. The truth. Yeah, that was a truth bomb. Was that a truth bomb that set no, you free? No, not really. No. Terry South will now enlighten us on the headlines. Terry, what's going on? Attorney General Jeff Sessions acknowledged Tuesday that he attended a meeting in Trump Tower where George Papadopoulos, a former Trump campaign foreign policy advisor who pled guilty last month to lying to the FBI, allegedly informed the attorney general about his frequent conversations with Russian officials. I do now recall the March 2016 meeting at Trump Tower the Papadopoulos attended, but I have no clear recollection of the details of what he said during that meeting, Sessions told the House Judiciary Committee. Sessions has been pressured to clear up his past statements to Congress in which he said repeatedly that he was not aware of conversations that took place between Trump campaign officials and Russians during the election. The Attorney General excused his failure to mention the meeting and conversations by saying that the Trump campaign was a, quote, form of chaos every day from day one. <laughs> you know what? When you're just when you're reading that, I can't not help but think of Kate McKinnon. Yeah. The SNL actress that plays Jeff Sessions right. saying, I do now recall <laughs> what I did say then. You could read everything he says in that voice <laughs> and really up the entertainment factor, but I think totally. it turns it all into a parody. This is serious stuff, this, Matt. I know it is, but I just can't. <laughs> anyway, I can't even. It's you know what it is is I'm I'm beyond the point of return. Nice. Someday I'll teach you about that. Do not pass the point of prevention. Pass the point of no return. I learned in driver school, you're only as safe. (laughs) I don't know any of the other words. Thank heavens. Um, You're only as safe as your ability to drive safely, but once you pass the point of prevention, you can't come back. There you go. So I've already passed the point of prevention on some of this stuff. I can't reel it back in. Maybe Attorney General Sessions has passed that. I do believe. We'll see where he ends up. Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch uh, released the latest version of the Senate tax bill to be debated this morning in committee, along with eliminating the Affordable Care Act's individual mandate, which would free up more than $300 billion, but also raises premiums by an average of 10%. And results in 13 million fewer people with health insurance, according to the Congressional Budget Office. The new version of the bill permanently cuts the corporate tax rate to 20% from 35%, which is around where President Trump was talking right, about. Right, right. While setting a 2016 expiration date on all tax cuts for individuals. So the business tax will be permanent. 
all the cuts for individuals, that'll run out in 2026. The benefits for individuals expire at the end of 2025, so the Congress won't pay for the tax cuts with more than $1.5 trillion in deficit spending to conform to Senate rules. So the 2026 date where individual tax cuts in their bill just expire is because they can't have any sort of deficit after 10 years or they have to get 60 votes from the Senate, which they can't get because no Democrats can vote for this. So what we're looking at at the best is a 10-year tax break. Yep. And then at which point it's just Russian roulette on well, which party will be leading Until it. the next guy comes in and does his own deal. Oh, yeah, until he executive yeah. orders all of it out. Right. <laughs> so it's all it's all temporary okay. to begin with. By the but, way, it doesn't bother me because I also own a business. Right. So I'm going to win either way. There you go. Not to brag. Not to brag. But So everybody out there, get a business. Get a business. Everything looks better from there. Okay. During a House administration committee hearing Tuesday regarding congressional policies on sexual harassment, Representative Jackie Spire of California said that two current congressmen, one Republican and one Democrat, had sexually harassed congressional staffers. Spire spoke on behalf of the victims, saying all they ask is to be able to work in a hostile, work-free environment. They want the system fixed and the perpetrators held accountable. In a follow-up interview on MSNBC, Spire explained the labyrinth process victims of sexual harassment must undergo when reporting an incident related to Congress, which includes enduring one month of legal counseling, signing a non-disclosure agreement, going through another month of mediation, and then taking a month-long cooling-off process before actually filing a formal sexual harassment complaint. Wow. You know what that feels like? What? A process set up by a man. Yeah, like if you were just abused or harassed, you've got to do all of that first. A, a month of legal counseling, non-disclosure. Oh, who's paying for the legal counseling? It doesn't say. Oh, weird. Yeah. So legal okay. counseling, non-disclosure, um, another month of mediation. So now we're like two months past. So I have to mediate with my offender. And then you have to have a month-long cooling off process. Not sure if that's included in the two months of do other they, things. Do they pay me to go cool off? Can I just go home and not work and you pay me? No, this is why you keep working. So i got to work with the, my boss that may have sexually harassed me. And, right. Hence oh. my thought, maybe a man. Yeah, this sounds this like together. a great idea. <laughs> Are you serious? So they want this fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Good idea. Um. Who was it? Uh, Paul Ryan, Speaker oh, yeah. of the House. He said that they, they, they're going to institute uh, sexual harassment training, that type of thing for members of the House and their staff, just like the Senate did. Well, maybe what so, we ought to do first is like sexual harassment vetting. Could be. Of extreme, senators. Extreme vetting. Extreme. Always, it has to be extreme. There's yeah. no other limit. I would you definitely involve the TSA. They're really good at this, <laughs> yes. Interesting. Okay. This is lots to learn lots here. Lots to learn here. And finally, yeah, stovetop. Stuffing. Now, now sometimes people like, like to make their own stuffing. Other people prefer stovetop. I love stovetop with well, giblets. Sto- stovetop is introduced Thanksgiving pants. Come again? Hmm? Yes. It says they might not make their mark as the latest fashion craze, but the folks at stovetop have developed a pair of pants to make Thanksgiving one of the most comfortable holidays of the year. Oh, okay. Does it? Do they cram it in the box or These something? These stovetop pants are advertised as apparel that will allow people to enjoy more Thanksgiving in comfort and style. Well, style maybe, who knows. But yeah, yeah, yeah. when you think of some of the scenes you traditionally witness every Thanksgiving around your home, eating turkey, watching football, the after-dinner nap, another may be folks reaching for that top button on their pants along with their belt buckle and they happen to be wearing one and they squeeze 
one of their fingers, flick their wrist, and they unleash the presser, pressure around their belly <sighs> after it's been filled with Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Sorry, guys. According to People Magazine, the stovetop pants were made in a limited supply, so you have to act fast to get your, yourself a pair. They're probably gone. These pants are designed as unisex, so they're for everyone, oh, right? What you, because, by the way, nothing's more flattery than a unis- flattering than a unisex <laughs> pant. Right. It says they come in one color and one style only. The pants are maroon with the middle piece around the waist that sports an image of the stuffing. Oh, nice. Right, so it's like a, a belt-type thing that looks like stuffing. Yeah. It's mm. kind of an odd I bet it's, thing. I'm sure it's like a, an elastic, like a pregnant yeah. woman's pants. Like uh, my wife has – they were called belly bands or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it says they've also included their brand name near the deep pocket in the pants because, of course, you need to have pockets. They're also <laughs> sold in the size of small, small, medium, and large and, of course, extra large. They have an expandable waistline, which is where their claim to fame comes in. You don't need to unbutton the thing. The stovetop pants expand with you. Oh, wow. Hmm. You can go to their website. They're, they're there. I'm glad they have a pocket. <laughs> Where, where are you going to put your cell phone, Matt? Where, where are you going to put your spoon? <laughs> your stuffing spoon. Or, yeah, just some extra stuffing for when you're hungry later. Yeah. So, Matt, do like stovetop to... <laughs> pants, do they interest you at all? No. But, I mean, I'm dying to get a pair. <laughs> Would that not be the funnest thing you could ever wear? <laughs> just wander into Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> with expandable a, pants. Oh, I would great, love that. That would be a great white elephant gift. Are you going to any white elephant parties? This no. Why holiday? would you make it a white elephant? This is like it's kind of a gag gift. No, this isn't a gag. Mm. When you walk, tell me this: when you walk into your turkey dinner, sporting your maroon pants <laughs> with like a cummerbund yeah, made huge. with an elastic cummerbund that looks like stuffing, you're oops. Oh, you you're telling me that um, that wouldn't wow the audience? That would be. <laughs> You kind of look like a, a genie type of dress because mm-hmm. you got this flowing pant and oh, a big, yeah. big wide belt a on. Big, a cummerbund. You yeah. know, the good news is if a, a best man drops up or drops out at the last second, you can be called on at a moment's notice to step in for them. Oh, absolutely. It's got the cummerbund. That's incredible. Just throw on a white shirt. I'm. Oh, there's the pocket. I'm, I'm showing Matt pictures of wow. this. Wow. And the pocket, the, by the way. The, the lining of the pocket is yeah. also this image of stuffing. It's a stuffing image. And it also is has special branded. Um, yeah. There's a brand on it. What's the name of the brand? It's, it's labeled. It says stovetop yeah, right above are, the pocket. Those are a little more suave than I thought they'd oh, be. Oh, yeah. You look, they look very dapper. I wish I would buy the pants in a second if there was a matching suit coat. Oh, yeah. With a lining you, inside, you, stuffing lining. You need the full outfit. That's incredible. I didn't even think about what I was going to wear for Thanksgiving. But now I have got to get me a pair of those. You know, yeah, I think you bring up a good point. If you had like a uh, nice maroon smoking jacket ooh, that would go with it. Yeah. I went you to know, their, sans smoking. I yeah. went to the website. It says, unfortunately, there are no leftovers. Ah, they're sold out. <laughs> That's a great line. Limited supply. All the all they donated the uh, the the proceeds. It was like twenty bucks or something for them. All the proceeds go to charity. Well, they better right because those pants are sending you somewhere else. Charity. Just the look only on thing. eBay. You'll find them on eBay. Will you? Who's going to give up their so, pants? I mean, those are incredible. Elastic Thanksgiving dinner pants. That's what everybody it's needs. It's wonderful. Yeah. And they're high-waisted, so mm. they really go right up to your rib cage. 
Me too. That way you've got you can have your whole belly supported with that nice elastic you know band. That's nice. <laughs> wow. Okay. There you go. Thanksgiving pants. By the way, folks out there, just be listening um, because and be getting ready. You're, you don't want to just throw something on for Thanksgiving. You're going to want to make sure you've got elasticity in the mm. belt area. You're going to want to make sure you got pockets to carry your own. You need to be spoon. comfortable. You need to be comfortable. Yeah, it's a great. Point. I'd go by the way with a polyester blend, probably. Mm. Something that breathes well. Something that breathes, or I don't know if polyester breathes. Does it? Some some do, some don't. But the neat thing about polyester is, like, if let's just say, if you spill, you spill, you can still catch it and not waste that food. Yes, and most <laughs> most, if it does, sort of stain might just whisk away with some, yeah, 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 just some water, just no hose problem. it off. Yeah. yeah, like like water on a duck's back, <laughs> right off huh? your polyester off pants. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now let's get to our uh, our empty news headlines with Jeffrey Liam Simpson. Jeffrey, what should we be uh, focused on? When it comes to your headlines. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but we recently uh, – we now have the ability to have listeners leave messages Oh, here on yeah. the Matt Townsend, the Matt Townsend show. show. You can call and leave a message. Right. Uh-huh. And uh, we received a number of, of messages. Some of them were very flattering. Others, oh, maybe they shared some ideas on how to improve the show. What? Okay. Uh, what do you mean by um, that? But, I mean, most of them were just like, um, I'm trying to reach the BYU bookstore. Okay. Um, yeah, our number is very similar to the bookstore. there was one that kind of disturbed me a little. Was it, your, I, was, it, was it a family member of yours? Well, I have... I have the the message here, and maybe okay. you can yeah, I'll tell me. It. Yeah, no, I'll do it. Uh, I hope we can help. Okay, let's see what we can do. All right, now listen very carefully. We've got Winifred, and if you ever want to see your beloved turtle again, you'll do exactly as we say. Meet us at Pioneer Park at 7.37 p.m. That's Boeing time. And bring with you a backgammon-sized briefcase filled with $20,000. weird so there's a turtle winifred out there who's missing who'd pay 20 grand for a turtle well with a name like winifred you'd think it'd be pretty special would you so gosh i know it was the wrong number but i wish there was something we could do to help i guess we could we could go find the number i don't think we paid the extra for the star 69 or the caller id or whatever it was yeah i don't need i don't know but that's and he didn't wasn't courteous enough to leave his name. He had some weird demands too. Those were weird. Like a why you know, backgammon size briefcase so filled weird. with twenty thousand dollars. He's not going to get twenty grand for a turtle. And good luck getting a Jerry Orbach signature because he sadly passed away. Yeah. Well, you just fake that. You just fake it. Hmm. I mean, if anybody recognizes that voice, if you could maybe call in, that'd be good. One eight five five chat BYU or. If you know anybody that has a turtle named Winifred that's missing, maybe let us know. Boy, 
doing what we can on the program, folks. We can't do everything, but we may be able to save one, save one little turtle, one very, very expensive turtle, Winifred. Hey, straight ahead, we're going to be talking about the surprising science of infectious behaviors and viral emotions. In 2009, tragedy struck the town of Palo Alto. A student from a local high school had died by suicide by stepping in front of an oncoming train. And then a few weeks later, it happened again. Another student stepped in front of a train and again and again. And in six months, one high school had lost five students to suicide on those train tracks. Um, author Lee Kravitz is joining us, and he, he's written a book that's titled Strange Contagion, which explains how it is possible that a suicide cluster could develop in a community of concerned, aware, and hypervigilant adults. The answer is what Kravitz calls a strange contagion. It's a perfect storm of highly common social viruses that combined can form an unconscious mirroring um, uh, or an unconscious uh, triggering of certain behaviors. And so really what we're talking about today is that we may have actions and activities that are spreading emotionally through like an emotional virus and others are catching it and then we see really difficult behaviors um, that are hard to deal with. And uh, we're excited to have Lee here to talk about the book Strange Contagion. Lee, thank you so much for being with us. It is a real pleasure. Thanks for having me on. What an interesting idea that um, our our emotions can actually become viral. We can we can spread the emotion, and then that emotion would also lead to you know infectious behavior. That's exactly right. I mean, it's it was it was surprising to me. I mean, I, my background originally <clears throat> was in um, is in psychology. And I do a lot of science writing, and. You know, early, early on, uh, my wife and I had moved to Palo Alto right around the time that this had started, and we were about to have our first child, and as, um, you know, the fourth, the fifth, you know, um, uh, and ultimately sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth student died by suicide uh, from the school over the uh, upcoming years, um, you know, I looked at my wife and was like, you know, is my child in danger of catching something? you know, in this, in this community. And it turns out that it wasn't just like kind of a off-the-fly comment. It turns out that it's actually true that emotions in particular are highly, highly contagious. We're talking fear, um, you know, depression, anxiety, and things like that are, are contagious. But luckily, so are, you know, the positive um, emotions as well, like happiness and, and resilience and things like that. You you even just wrote another article even more recently about low morale is contagious. So you could be sitting in a company. I, mean, I always equate it to like sitting on an airplane where you can hear you know four people coughing, and the next thing you know you've got a cold. Um, <laughs> well, that's exactly it, it, right. it is like that, right? Low morale spreads through companies, and and uh, fear oh, yeah. can spread through families. It, it, it's it's a real thing. It is. Well, what happens with companies is that. Yeah, you know, the, the, the adage that the, the rotten apple spoils a bunch, and it turns out that the science shows it's actually true. Um, you know, it, there are certain studies that show that negative emotions are heavier or more contagious than 
positive ones, but there are other studies that show that positive ones are more <laughs> contagious than negative ones. It just kind of depends on the study. Hmm. But um, in, in workplace scenarios, as well as school groups even, and, and any sort of community, um, where if you have somebody who comes in who is, has you know, burnt out, who is depressed or just angry or even anxious, um, if you are exposed to the behavior that kind of cues or signals to you that that person is not, you know, happy or, or feeling good, believe it or not, the entire group will catch that. And, you know, uh, multiple, multiple studies show that, you know, in workplace scenarios that can not only lower morale, but of course the bottom line. Um, and in order to kind of remedy that, there are a couple of things we can do. The first thing, you know, uh, CEOs or managers can do is identify, you know, if, if possible, identify the person who is kind of like the, um, you know, patient zero, mm-hmm. try to work with patient zero and, and or remove him or her, which is always a really tough thing to do, right? It's very hard to kind of track that. So instead, what um, we really need to do is kind of flood the system with as much positive, um, you know, positive emotions and behaviors as possible. So that means in workplace scenarios, hiring people with real zeal in their attitudes, um, managers who are, you know, uh, can really spread this kind of contagious spirit, um, you know, among the community. Also, people who you know, happy workers spread happiness. Hmm. So really kind of flooding the system with, you know, reasons to be happy, uh, whether it's being, you know, paid better or treated nicer. Um, There's a a kind of kindness, a particular kind of kindness called companionate love that actually really helps people, um, you know, when they're burnt out or just have low morale, actually turn that around. Um, And we can use... Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, is this, so this is is this really what this is is social contagion um, kind of theory. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's basically, but it's such an interesting dynamic because um, you might just have like the curmudgeon kind of the angry cynical person that's always in the office that tends to you know make everyone angry and <laughs> cynical. Um, and, yeah. and but it's funny because a lot of times. If you don't think it's contagious, but just notice that like being in a meeting with someone like that's exhausting and it it takes oh, energy. Yeah. And it seems like, uh, too, then there's some people, it seems like, that are even more sensitive to others like that. Well, it's true. Well, so it's interesting. It's kind of a double-edged sword. So in order to kind of stop these emotional contagions, especially the negative ones, I should say, it's always important to try to become more emotionally aware, more emotionally sensitive, socially emotionally aware, right? Social emotional awareness is really key Um, because once you are aware of how you feel or the things around you, you can identify and say, oh, I'm not feeling very well right now. I'm going to do something about that, meaning I'm going to get up. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to have an interaction with somebody. I'm going to do something to, to better my mood or, God forbid, if you are, um, you know, feeling suicidal mm-hmm. or something along those lines, then you can say, wow, I'm not feeling very good. I'm going to seek out help. And so that's where it's really important. But the double-edged sword comes into play because when we find that people who are social have high social-emotional attunement um, are also the ones who are going to catch emotions easier and faster than others. Yeah. So it, it, it's a little tough. 
And then uh, – so part of it, I guess, is kind of gets into the whole emotional intelligence world where we we need to understand our emotions, be aware of them, learn to lower or manage our emotions, improve them, lift them, lower them. We also need to recognize emotions in others, see if we can help improve those emotions. And then, like you're saying, go out and be a really good – you know. Uh, really good uh, voice for positive life and positive emotions. And I guess what's cool about knowing that there is such a thing as social contagion where where anybody can pick it up is they don't even have to know I'm trying to do it. But if I can start to change the culture, just even a little bit of more positivity could go a long way. It is shocking. I mean, a lot of this stuff, these, these, these contagions, the things that are, are kind of interesting about social contagions to me are that Yes, we do catch these things without even realizing it. It's um, it's the same way, you know, with real viruses, right? Your analogy in the airplane is beautiful. You're in a, an, an airplane, and there's four people who are coughing, and the next thing you know, you've caught a cold. Um, you know, the, the this analogy, though, is you're in a room with a bunch of people. You don't know what their moods are, but you're catching it anyway mm. because these signs are so subtle. But it would be the equivalent of... Let's say I were to yawn into the microphone right now. Um, everybody who's listening to this this broadcast <laughs> yeah. is going to yawn, right? You know, and if we're in person, if I'm talking to you and you saw that I'm chewing my nails because I'm a little bit nervous, I'm on the radio, um, then all of a sudden, wow, that behavior is going to cue in a lot of other people this sense of anxiety. And they may not even realize that they've picked it up or where they picked it up from, but all of a sudden they're walking around and they have this kind of tension in their bodies. Well, they've caught that from me. Um, and so the, the, the shocking thing about, as you said, these social contagions is that we do catch them without realizing it, and we can also affect the world around us without the world realizing it as well in positive and, and negative ways. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting, too. I look at because I'm I am a highly sensitive person by definition. I I just pick up a lot of data of what's going on around me. I always act like I don't know just to avoid having to deal with all of it. But I, uh-huh. I pick up a ton of information. So I, I actually and I've been in a city, a situation where everyone's, you know, sitting in their little cubicles in an office and. Um, it's so – if there is too much negative energy, then the high sensitive in the room is kind of like the canary in the mine shaft that starts to – you just start losing the canary. You can see that that, that canary is not singing like they used to and it's time to maybe move yeah. them away from – so how do we – I guess how, – how, what advice do you give to somebody so that they know – they may not even know they're this, this negative virus that's spreading socially and emotionally? How do they get well, the clue that they are? Well, it, it's interesting. It, it's hard for people who are not aware of it um, to, to become aware. I mean, but that's really the whole key, right? So, if, I mean, some people are just wired, hardwired to, to being kind of a neg- you know, negative and depressive, and, and that's, that's okay. That's who they are. But in, in situations where... Um, uh, you are not normally, let's say like you are the one who is depressed or kind of adapt, feeling really low and down and bringing the whole group down. It's important to recognize that if you're not happy, and you usually are a happy person, if you're not sleeping well or you're sleeping too, you're sleeping too much or suddenly you're not eating 
or suddenly you are uh, more snippy than usual. Um, or in the case of, of, of kids or, or people who suddenly take on, you know, suicidal ideation, you know, they're, um, you know, uh, they're, they're tweeting or <clears throat> Facebook posts are suddenly very, very low and they're not making eye contact with other people. If you start to recognize that these things are happening and it's not usual for you, that's where it becomes very, very important for you or somebody else who is emotionally attuned to come up to you and say, wow, you don't look very good. I hope you're okay. What can I do to help? And in the book, um, I talk about this, this um, effect as called, I call it the interrupter phase. Hmm. Um, so one of the great things about be, uh, becoming more socially, social, emotional, more socially, emotionally attuned is that we can recognize in ourselves when things aren't usual um, or recognize in others that something is off. And when that happens, we can interrupt that flow. We can literally say, wow, there's something not right with me or there's something not right with my friend. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to ask how he or she um, is feeling. Is there anything I can do? And in the worst case scenario, we can say, you know what? I'm going to take you to a, a professional. And, if, you know, like if it's a school-based counselor, that's great. Or if it's somebody in human resources who is, is you know, trained to, to work with folks who are going through something like this, um, then they can actually uh, kind of trigger the, um, uh, you know, the, the right responses to get the help that you need. Um, so it's a complicated answer, but it's really important that everybody, you know, kind of recognizes the signs and symptoms. And depression, you, anxiety. Yeah, you yeah. can you can see that um, after a disaster, like we had two two teenagers die in a car accident about a year ago in our community, mm-hmm. and it rocked the entire community. Um, and and so, I mean, you, you understand that would happen, and that would spread, and it did, and it seems like as a community, we've also been able to, you know, rebuild it to a point. Um, but and then after all of these other disasters we are, and, and shootings and all these things we keep hearing, but where where we see it too is suicide. And um, so if if I guess what warning do you give us? So if we hear of a suicide in our ki- our child's school or high school, one of the kids that they know, um, it probably is just an a, a, an essential moment to really go check in with your child, isn't it? Uh, without a doubt. I mean, it's, it's important to check in, to have open and honest conversations with your child. You know, one of the misconceptions, is, you know, in psychology is that if you say the word suicide or you start talking about suicide, that it's going to spread suicide. Right. That's actually, it's actually wrong. It's actually the exact opposite. Talking about suicide doesn't spread it. Um, talking about grief does not spread grief. It actually alleviates it. Um, even if, uh, you were talking to somebody who has had thoughts in the past of harming himself or herself. Talking about suicide does not, you know, convince that person to go and do it. It actually does the opposite. It kind of um, alleviates that, you know, that, that pressure. Hmm. Um, so th- that is a really important thing to have happen. So when something like this happens in the community, do yourself a favor. Talk to your loved ones about what's going on, about what they're thinking and feeling, but also at the same time, Remind them about the resources at hand. Um, so, again, it's a two-part equation. Um, have them recognize that if they're a student, that their school likely has um, a wellness center or a counselor. Um, empower your student to seek out help. The school 
that um, Gunn High School, it's G-U-N-N High School in Palo Alto, that experienced, at this point, has actually experienced 10 suicides, uh, eight of them by by train, in the last uh, four and a half years. Um, They've done a really terrific job at at opening up a, 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 a tremendous wellness center at the school. And what's fascinating about this is at this school, um, they've had 7,000 um, uh, individual appointments at this wellness center since in the year that it's opened up. And there's only 2,000 kids in the school. Oh, wow. Which really, which really means that they are really, truly um, getting the word out that if you're not feeling well, say something. That's great. That really is. I mean, and really, oh, yeah. that's it, it's we need more and more of that because – um, some of the most extreme behavior we hear in the news are people really that have probably been crying out or showing these signs for a long time. That's right. This is not new. It's not like you just wake up one morning and go, well, that's it. Yeah. It's, these, are, these are things, I mean, suicide is a very interesting phenomenon in that there's something in the brain that switches, and it switches without, we don't really quite understand why it switches over. But, you know, nine times out of ten, I would say even ten times out of ten, there is some sort of warning sign. There's some sort of clue that something isn't right, whether it's, um, again, like you're not sleeping well, your loved one isn't sleeping well or they're sleeping too much. They're suddenly giving away all of their possessions. Um, they are, you know, their messages on Facebook or Twitter are, are, are slightly off. Um, there's there's all kinds of cues and clues to to people's mindsets. That's powerful, and I, I think too it also shows, uh, like you brought up earlier, if if we can if we can affect it in a negative way, we can just as easily be affecting it in a positive way. But either way, we shouldn't ignore it. We should, like oh, right because yeah. a lot of us That's I think just right. think just be happy and positive, and we'll we'll switch everyone's emotion by being positive. But it might be valuable to be happy. It might be valuable to be positive, and when you see people that are down, become an interrupter. That's exactly right. Become an interrupter. Um, you know, look, being feeling down and 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 depressed and anxious and burnt out. This is these are human things. Um, and you know, I, I you know as a therapist. You know, one of the things I really encourage people to do is, like, if they're not feeling well, it's okay. I mean, negative emotions aren't necessarily bad for you. It's just that when you start to see them in extremes, um, you know, fear is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Hysteria is also a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, You know, burnout, um, very, very, um, uh, you know, it can affect us in negative ways. Um, Even, heck, even... It's interesting. Even ambition, which is a behavior and, and kind of a, an attitude as well, uh, can affect us both in good and bad ways. Um, so just being aware that if it becomes extreme, that's when we start to worry. Yeah, that's great. No, I think it's wonderful advice, Lee. And we so appreciate uh, your insight, your willingness to share it with us. The book is called Strange Contagion, Inside the Surprising Science of Infectious Behaviors and viral emotions and what they tell us about ourselves. Lee Kravitz is the is the author of that book. And folks, we've got to do this together. We've got to understand we affect each other, right? It's a big deal. 
And you can do so positively. You can do so negatively. And you can, by the way, do so intentionally or unintentionally. So the more intentional we get in our positivity, it's going to make a big difference. Up next, we're going to continue some more empty news stories. Uh, And again, uh, later in the show, McKenna Baus will be joining us. Tons to cover. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you change the world uh, by changing your own emotion. Back to the empty news with Jeffrey Liam Simpson. Jeffrey, edumacatus. Would you say that smoking is bad for your health? Yes, and bad for my health. (laughs) That's true. And yet there are still businesses that will allow their employees to take a smoke break, right? Yeah. So they're giving them time to go do something that's not good for their health. Look, Larry, I'm going to give you 15 minutes to go slowly terminate your life. (laughs) Let's do it. So... Why are they not giving them 15 minutes to go other things, go do other things that are hazardous to their health? Like, go yeah. go take an alcohol break. Yeah. Go look at pornography. Hey, Just get, don't use the company computer. Get out there and throw some knives. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, they see, don't do that. They don't do it. They, right? they don't let you jump into any habit for 15 minutes every hour or whatever, every couple right. hours. And obviously not everybody that works at a certain company is going to smoke and take advantage of that 15-minute right. smoking right. break. So that means they're putting in more work than those that are going out and having the smoke break, right? Yeah, then you're like, hey, I wish I had a really bad habit that so not only are I they could get a break s- for. slowly killing themselves on the job, mm-hmm. but uh, you know they're, they're getting paid to do it, right? Not fair. Not fair. Well, there are some uh, employees at a Japanese company that are making their voices heard, and it paid off. They started complaining about these 15-minute smoke breaks because they were putting in more work than the people that were going and smoking. So one thing that this company is doing is they've introduced a new non-smokers perk in September, and it allows non-smokers to take six an extra six days of paid holidays. Ah, that's great. And uh, yeah, so you know, but is that because is that because uh, be, is that in contrast to the fifteen-minute breaks? So if you're if you can either have your fifteen-minute breaks. Or you can get right. six days off a year more. It probably, you know, it accrues throughout the whole year. Okay. So maybe it's yeah. up to six days. Not because, sure. By the way, that's just good business, right? Because they're sure. going to save money on your insurance. They're going to save money on a lot of things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I think they're also trying to encourage employees to quit smoking. So this is one of the incentives that they're trying rather than trying to penalize them or using coercion. Uh, so to date, no fewer than 30 of the company's 120 employees have taken additional days off under the new system since it was introduced. And the scheme has also encouraged four people to give up smoking. That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Right? That is right there. Good. That's good management. It's creative. And I mean, it shows that they care about these employees that, you know, Maybe don't even want to be smoking, but well, they're addicted like, to the tobacco. But, but what if they were just giving you a Twinkie break where you could go out? <laughs> Again, another every, thing that maybe – Yeah, every couple hours I just like to go take 15 minutes and down a Twinkie. Sure. Can a guy not down a Twinkie without everybody judging him? <laughs> oh, sure. Go ahead. So that's great news. That's maybe cool. that's something that we could adopt here. 
Although I don't know if we have dedicated smoke breaks. No, I think I think you're I think supposed to take it. 15 minute breaks. Right. I never take a break. Really? Yeah. I hardly work, but I never take a break. You're wrong. A lot of people take breaks. Uh, I mean, I see actually people. They'll take their lunch break, or I've even just seen people go read a book for ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Sure, I. It's funny. I've never, I, I've never done that. Well, here's another guy that took a break. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it was a break uh, that he took while stealing somebody else's car. Yeah, that's not fair. Doesn't work. Uh, authorities say a man accused of stealing a Maserati and driving it to a movie theater in Georgia has been arrested. The Clayton County Sheriff's Office told news outlets that 41-year-old Keith Rick Williams is accused of driving the vehicle to a movie theater and parking it while he watched a movie. A Facebook post from the Sheriff's Office says a deputy spotted the vehicle, he checked the hood, which was still warm, Mm -hmm. and radioed in for more deputies to join him. Undercover agents set up and authorities waited for hours for someone to return to the car, the sheriff's office reported. Listen to the movie that he saw. Williams eventually emerged after viewing Blade Runner 2049 and got into the car. He allegedly had a 9 millimeter pistol in his passenger seat when he was arrested. Whoa. Luckily, no injuries were reported. Wow. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. Blade Runner 2049, if I were the cops, I would have just given up. Is there a Maserati? Is a, that is a long movie. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Looks like we're not going to get this one, boys. We'll get him next time. We'll get him next time. You we'll can't get, him get he, every one of them. We'll get him when he goes sees uh, when he goes to see Daddy's Home too. That one's only an hour and a half. Yeah. Plus, he'll be bored in a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's rude. That is so rude. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're keeping us up to date, Jeff. A lot of people would think, um, you know, hey, I'm just going to go take my 15-minute Twinkie break. But no. Maybe there's a healthier way. Six days off. How about that? Let's all get healthier. Straight ahead, McKenna Baus will be in the house. She's going to do a little mind bender for us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. McKenna Baus in the house. One of our great producers here at uh, at uh, BYU Broadcasting, and McKenna is going to uh, bend our mind a little bit today. Some of you, as Thanksgiving arrives, you're going to sit down and have some pretty awkward conversations at the dinner table. Yeah, it seems like at family dinners, if you're in a politically divided family, oh boy, it always comes up, no matter how little you want it yeah. to. Yeah, it's it's where. Like they come out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. And you're not supposed to bring up supposedly religion, money, politics, sex. But at my Most Thanksgiving table, we hit every one of them like yep. five times. Yeah. And so, you know, this is something that people tend to want to avoid, sort of keep the peace and all. And yeah. I mean, there's, I can understand why people have that desire to sort of avoid these things because last year, um, Thanksgiving celebrations were, on average, 20 to 30 minutes shorter than usual among politically divided families. Really? Yeah. That, oh, that's interesting. So being a divided family, politically, we shorten the dinner, and I guess then we, we quickly get to the movies or the game or something else. Something. Um, well, and this isn't just the time spent with the, like, at the dinner table, but the whole, the the whole, whole event. event. Like, you were out. <laughs> um, it's really interesting. It. The study showed that an estimated 62 million person hours 
of uh, political familial discourse yeah. was lost. How, what? How many? Uh, Sixty-two million. Wow. So a lot of time with people talking with their families was lost. Um, Republicans were far more likely to ditch their, you know, Democrat relatives um, than Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're we're less tolerant. I don't know. Um, There's the study doesn't. Yeah. But the social psychologist in me says if we're talking less, then we're actually probably bonding less and we are less connected and probably less caring. Yeah. And so. While this is the case, there's a lot of experts out there who are saying, do not avoid no. these political conversations Stay with and family. take it like a man and woman. <laughs> just take it from your crazy relatives. But really, you got to – you yeah. got it because if we don't do this, then we just teach everybody to keep avoiding. Exactly. It just increases that divide. That's- and there's several like psychologists and stuff who sort of gave some tips yeah, good. as to like how to handle this. What so, do we do? What do we do? Um, first, before you even get to the dinner – Sort of think a bit about what are your goals yeah. in these political conversations. Yeah. Not kill someone. Exactly. <laughs> um, second, making sure that you're avoiding any verbal attacks, any judgment. That doesn't mean you have to condone or validate everything right, that right. they say that you disagree with, but try to be, you know, non-confrontational. Mm-hmm. Um, and additionally, create a coping plan. For how you're going to deal with the emotions yeah. of this didn't go the way I want it to. They don't agree with me. Yeah. I'm disappointed. You should see the notes Terry's taking right now. He's it, writing down every one of these. Yeah, it's really helpful stuff. It's um, good. Good. And some of that thing is, you know, thinks, uh, think of different types of questions that you can ask um, that sort of build on the idea how's, of empathy. How's your job, Larry? Yeah. Just something innocuous, something ha- that's ha- like, yeah. Have some uh, things there. And remember that when you're attacking somebody's political candidates, the way they feel about that is pretty similar to how they would feel if you're attacking their sports team. Uh-huh. Nobody likes it when you attack their sports team and you're not going to change their mind. Keep that Such good mindset. Advice. Such good advice. McKenna Baus has been in the house. And McKenna thinks this is great insight. But plan ahead. You know you're going to run into these people and you know just don't even mention the word Trump or Clinton. That's a good (laughs) holiday. We'll continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show. It's the House of Bows. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here along with Jeff and Terry. The gang, we're gathered. We're doing what we can. To, to give you the news, the headlines, the information you need, and hopefully to do it without all the heavy. Life is heavy. I don't think you have to just go submerge yourself and drown. That's what we're going to fix, by golly. <laughs> Jeff looked at me like, we're not drowning, man. Uh, great show for you today, by the way. We're going to be talking about healthy eating with Karen Mangum. The, Tanner I, Mangum's but, mom. But... Why at Thanksgiving? Well, because you got to be healthy, A, and B. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. And you got a big meal coming up. And you don't want to – do you know how easy you could just blow out your gut? We just talked in the last hour about a, a particular Thanksgiving dish called stuffing. Yeah. Can you eat stuffing, uh, you know, 
Can you eat a little bit of it? No. That's why it's called stuffing. But there's a point where it's called overstuffing. And then that's when you're buying pants. That's when you're buying the stuffing pants (laughs) that we talked about last hour. Uh, Stovetop apparently is starting a line of pants that uh, they're already sold out, so don't even try to get them. As long as it doesn't come with onions, I might be interested. They're bendable, they're breathable, they're expandable. They move with you. They move with you and your stuffing. I love it. You know what I love nothing more than just putting on a pair like of tight pants where you got to stuff yourself into it. Mm. Uh, thus, you the, just the stuffing. When pant. you did the pantomime, that you went from like different parts of your mid area. Yeah, I was like stuffing got... my mid area into my high waisted stuffing pants. Hmm. That's how it else seems like you... there were a lot. Well, of folds. How else are you going to get them in there? There were a lot of folds in that pantomime. Sounds like a wonderful holiday. <laughs> You know it's bad when you you need your wife's help help stuffing you into your pants. Right. Hey, honey, can you can you get but my I, on gut another level? My... She kind of knew what she was getting involved with. So, yeah. But you know what? Doesn't mean she knew everything. But so she's not going to say tell us to eat tofurkey or anything like no, that. No, 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 no. She Karen Mangum is big into saying, "Hey, it's a good meal. Let's go eat it, but let's be responsible. No one needs to die." My approach: one plate. As big as you can get it, as no, tall no, no, as you can. One plate, one level. Don't do the multi-level Whoa. and just, really? just don't pile it on. Is that on. really your approach? Yeah, I just have a little bit of everything. Or else it just goes crazy and then you don't enjoy it because you're uncomfortable yeah. later because you ate too much. Okay, do you know what my approach is? As much as you can, as quick as you can? Kind of. Okay. But that's after we've walked like 11 miles. There you go. So I walk 11 miles and I really walk until my hips are burning. Smoking, actually. You can smell. Ooh, wow. You can smell. You, my you, hips burning. You may want to get that looked at. Yeah, it's weird. Um, and then I we sit down to eat, and then I pretend to help a little bit. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to act. Yeah, you have trying. to act. Like, here, yeah. let me. I'll move the chairs. Yeah, I'm always the chair guy. Right. Chairs so, and tables. That's my specialty. Then you're not cooking. It's great. No. And yeah, you don't want my hands in that. And then I um, get. Then I I eat a plate. But usually, honestly, I'm too tired mm. to get up and get seconds. There you go. Mm-hmm. And my wife has learned – she used to offer to get me seconds or help or whatever. Not anymore. Tired or full? Yes. I think you're too full, so you send one of the kids to get you your seconds. No, I walked 11 miles. My I, Honestly, getting out of the chair, I can't get out. Wow. And then I, I live I, – I have my, di- my dinner with a cardiologist. Oh, so there's that shame. This, this, the I think, doctor staring I think at you this like, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. I'm going to have a cardiologist – a, a neuroradiologist and another wow. neuro, another radiologist. Oh no, three radiologists and a cardiologist. Hmm. It's not good for food no. because they're all like, "You want some?" Well, this will clog your arteries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to eat two of those. So do your eleven wow. miles. Go lay down in bed and then have one of your kids feed you. It's a great point. Hmm. My kids will do that. I always like them to rub my feet. But honestly, not once have they done it. Wow. Well, there's always tomorrow. Why don't they? How about they baste your feet and then rub them? Ooh. Mm, in like a light gravy with yeah. giblets? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not. Oh, I love Thanksgiving. And plus, it's just a great time to be together. Uh, what better way to know that you're a family that loves each other than to fight about politics? Yeah. We learned last hour you don't have to. No. 
You can plan ahead. You can think ahead. You can change the subject and or you can do my favorite trick. I don't know if I'll do it. You do the dishes. Uh, (gasps) Everyone leaves. When you go do the dishes, no one is around you. Mm. It is the coolest thing in the world. And you're left alone. And then if you actually take your phone with your headphones because I have – what are they called? Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Um, I just watch – I can watch my show and nobody even knows I'm watching it. Hmm. They just think my phone's on the counter, but I'm actually watching it and I'm listening. It's the great, and no one will come in, and you just do the dishes. Well, nobody comes in because they don't want to have to help. Right, exactly. So try that, folks. And you, you're doing a good turn. You're like a scout. <laughs> uh, see, these are the ideas you don't get on any other radio show. The other shows, they're just yapping and yapping. We're just yapping. One just yap. one yap. Just one just yap. One yap. Yeah. With one P. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Let's get to the headlines with Terry South to find out what we should really be focused on. House Speaker Paul Ryan issued his strongest condemnation yet of Alabama Senate candidate uh, Roy Moore, who is battling multiple allegations of initiating inappropriate intimate relationships with women while they were teenagers, and he was a district attorney in his 30s. Ryan told reporters Tuesday that the allegations against Moore are credible and said the former judge who was running for Senate as a Republican in the, as this calls it, the Yellowhammer state... You ever heard of Alabama referred to as the Yellowhammer State? No. Hmm. That sounds... Is that a compliment? I'm not sure. I just... It was in the, you know... You know what? The story I'm reading. Alabama, they they need some positive stuff. So Paul Paul Ryan is telling Roy Moore to step aside. By the way, think of how big that is, really. It would be so easy for these people to just support him. His response was, uh, Paul Ryan has failed to all conservatives in America, so he should step aside. Okay, wow. so, so the future senator could yeah. now is mad at McConnell, uh-huh. Ryan. Now uh-huh. it, now we wonder if Trump's going to say anything because well, he's Trump, back in time. Trump didn't support him before, and he no. was mad that the guy he supported didn't win the primary. Dr. Strangelove. Now the guy that he... <laughs> well, it seems strange. Yeah. Now the guy that he didn't support has all these problems. Will Trump try to capitalize and go, aha, we knew from the beginning there was a problem. He keeps saying... I'm sure he'll do the right thing, but many yes. are questioning if more will will do the right thing. That's a right great thing. ambiguous answer. Yeah, he'll do the right thing. He'll do the right thing. Or if it is true, yeah, then he should step down. Or if it doesn't fit, we must acquit. Well, there's that too. It's just a whole other phrase. In other news, police say countless lives were saved Tuesday when school officials in a tiny northern California town blocked a gunman bent on killing people at random from entering an elementary school. Four people were killed, ten others injured, including one student, when the gunman tore through the town of Rancho Tahima early Tuesday and shot people at random. But authorities at the elementary school quickly put the building on lockdown after hearing gunfire in the area and students hid under their desks as the gunman tried to break in. This individual shooter was bent on engaging and killing people at random. The gunman rammed, that's a statement from the police, the gunman rammed through the school gate and tried to enter the building, but was only able to shoot through the windows and walls. He Mm. was shot by police after a 45-minute spree through the town. Wow. It's kind of a crazy situation. Honestly, that could have been horrible. That was horrible. Could have been even even worse. worse. Uh, Good news, Matt. Yes. Global wealth rose by 6.4% in 2017. For who? In the fastest yearly increase since 2012. That's out of the Financial Times. Thank you, Mr. Trump. 6.4% global wealth. That's funny. Have you seen much wealth? The bad news, the distribution of that new wealth was uneven as ever. According to credit 
Uh, this credit reporting company, 20, their 2017 Global Wealth Report, the richest 1% now account for a record 50, 50.1% of all global wealth. So 1% have okay. 50% of the world's okay, wealth. So let me just let me translate. Yeah. Um, uh, global wealth increased by 6%. Yeah. And eight people are those people. Basically, yeah. <laughs> that held all of that wealth. That's meanwhile, great. Meanwhile, the poorest 70% of adults have just 2.7% of global wealth. Wow. 70% of adults have just 2.7% of global wealth. We'll see that. That is, see, that's that old Pareto rule, the 80-20. So as they're saying, it's mm-hmm. about 3.5 billion adults with less than $10,000 in assets each. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's... The, the outlook for the millionaire segment is more optimistic uh, than for the bottom of the wealth pyramid, as Fortune points out, which is fairly obvious from the numbers. This is why Trump wants to reverse all of this with a little tax plan. I heard an interview this morning. This is the type of inequality that leads to populist movements because in sort of a capitalist idea, this is the way you yes. revolt is with a populist idea that goes against the norms. In which we are seeing around the globe. It was Trump. It was Bernie Sanders. You it had it on Brexit, both sides. It was right. Yeah. Um, Russia's lower parliament chamber has unanimously voted to pass a bill that allows the government to register international media outlets as foreign agents. Just days after the United States demanded the same thing from Russian state-funded TV channel RT. Oh, boy. The upper house is expected to approve the bill and then pass it on to President Vladimir Putin to be signed within the next two weeks. Putin described the U.S. categorization of RT as an attack on freedom of speech, which is a funny thing coming out of Russia since when Putin runs for office, he blocks all TV stations except the ones that he likes from running ads. But he's saying he's doing it because we did it. Yep. But we don't block freedom of speech. No, but we make... Uh, TV stations funded by foreign governments register as foreign agents because it's kind of what they are. But yeah, I don't okay. know. Just okay. kind of a thing. Larry King's on RT, so I don't know. Is he a foreign agent? Many, many wonder. Okay. Uh, and finally, astronomers have potentially discovered another Earth-sized habitable planet in our corner of the galaxy. What? According to new findings published in Astronomy and Astrophysics, the planet, which circles a small red star called Ross 128, may hold liquid water among other conditions favorable for sustaining life. Ross 128 and the planet are only about 11 light years from Earth. Liquid water. Really? 11 light years from Earth. Um, what's the name of the planet? There's no name yet. They just, they're saying it may be there. But they're calling it something. Ross. The Ross 128 is the star. Yeah. That's the red star, and the planet is around the red star. So I hear that they picked up some... Um, some music hmm. that might uh, actually come from that area, from the Ross Star. Really? Yeah. Huh. This is this is the music. Well, why this music? Ross. Is this an echo from Earth that they would be experiencing, or Ross? Okay. It's one of the friends. Well, I get that. This is. You could have played Diana Ross too. I mean, no. If you just wanted no, no, to do no, no, random no, 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 Rosses. No. No, that's different. <laughs> okay, apparently. That's a different planet. Yeah. So we are we going to contact them? Are they well, going to hang with us? Because um, we're friends. I was I was looking at this, and it, previous uh, discoveries have been about 40 light years away. Okay. Right? This is 11 light years away. Do you know how far 11 light years away well, is? Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. In, my, in a Prius, yeah. uh-huh. how long, if I'm traveling 70 miles an hour... Yes. 
how long will it take me to get to this area? That's math beyond my capability. But I can give you uh, the space shuttle Mm -hmm. when we had one. It orbited the Earth at about 5 miles per second or 18,000 miles per hour. Okay. Okay. At that speed, it would take us around 409,000 years to travel 11 light years. Oh, boy. So in other words, who cares? Well, I'm going to have to find a way to charge up. They're going to be, there's going to be a day where they confirm that there is a planet. It can sustain life. It's out there. We will never get there. It's sure negative. Yeah, but that's really how this works. But they keep telling us about planets. It's great. I don't think God wants us messing with other planets. He would have put one closer if he did. Yeah. That would be my idea. I think he did put one right under us, and we're having a hard time with that one. Well, you know, maybe there's another one that's out there. By the way, Diana Ross makes it a lot better. Is it? I, I told you. Come on. But I'm pretty sure this is a whole other constellation. Yeah. The planet of funk. Right? No? Okay. The planet. The planet of funk. <laughs> that's great. Oh, boy. That's happy news. Hmm. You know. Um, 409,000 years. Can you imagine your Thanksgiving trip there? <sighs> your kids like, I don't know, about. 200,000 years in, they're going to be like, are we there yet? (laughs) Well, no. All sorts of stuff with time starts happening, though, once you travel through space. Right. It becomes a flat flat circle. Didn't you see interstellar? Yeah, I did. Everybody down here ages while they, you know, are aging normally. We age rapidly. Hmm. Well, some of us are aging more rapidly than others anyway. Hmm? Um, you guys, are either of you taking a journey for Thanksgiving, a car trip? Yes. A long trip? Yes. Like 60 miles total. Yeah, that doesn't count. No, but it oh. feels like it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to SoCal. You're going to SoCal. Mm-hmm. How long is that's going to take you about 10 hour drive? Uh, with kids, yeah. Yeah. Which will feel like 20 because of the kids. Are you No, um, my my daughter explained it to me. She's like, oh. "Okay, when we go to California, you'll put on a movie for us, then we'll go to sleep, then you'll put on a movie for us, then we'll go to sleep." And mm. I thought, "Wow, sounds like they're planning their nap times. This is great." So this that is great. And she's almost she could be like maybe the um coordinator of fun. What do they call them on a cruise ship? Oh, the the one that plans all the activities and the yes. fun. It was Captain Ju- Steubing's daughter. It was Julie. <laughs> it was Julie. Um, so your your daughter is that role. She's playing the role of the um, fun master. I think it's about time that we need another good cruise ship sitcom type TV show because all the references are Love Boat, and that's so old. Yeah, but cruise ships, I mean, you know what it would be. Hmm. It would be like... You know, they've had all these stories where the cruise ship, it doesn't work. It's out there floating without any power, and they don't have bathrooms, and people are stealing yeah. from each other in the middle yeah. of the night. I think I think it'd be more like a Titanic thing. That or right. pirates or something yeah. that attack the ship. So, yeah, the, we probably wouldn't want those on there. Plus, what about the movie Ghost Ship? That was about another cruise ship. Julie McCoy was yeah. the cruise ship director. That's it. The cruise director. The cruise director. Yeah. And if you've been on a cruise, there's just certain things you got to see. The ice sculpture contest. I love it when the chefs get in there and they have to mix it up on 
ice sculptures. Got to see how much pizza Uncle Larry can cram in at the all-you-can-eat mm-hmm. buffet yeah. at midnight. I always like the um, free uh, ice cream cone service that you mm. get poolside. You can just have Saucer ice cream poolside. all yeah. day. Yeah. He keeps walking that. away, and you say, you know, Ramon, you may just want to park it here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to want more. Lots more. <laughs> Ramon, no, just keep keep pouring, buddy. Just keep it coming. We're keep right. pouring. I'll keep up with you. It's Can I right. get a twist? Can you just pull the soft serve machine over here, and I'll open my mouth and oh, lay down? Yeah. yeah. Um, plus, there's that. What I love about a ship is that you have people from all different cultures, all different parts of the world. So, in fact, I'm, I'm planning a cruise with my kids next year. Because I want to take them out there. But then there's that weird pool moment because mm-hmm. nobody seems to get in the pool. No. They're all sort of around it. Everyone's around it. Yeah. Um, but they're all dressed in different attire. Yes. You know, there's the Speedo guy that you're just like, Gah. Mm. And just anyway, so I'm I'm excited. <laughs> that That's where you're like, I want to go get ice cream, but I really don't want to walk by those 20 people again. Sure. I just don't think it's good for my family. Hmm. Hmm. So maybe we'll just stay up playing shuffleboard. Well, don't worry. I mean, depending on how rocky the ship is, the pool will come to you. Yeah, it's a good idea. And then you got you, you don't understand what I meant by that. Yeah, you, you'll just go into the drink. No, the, the pool will the, splash out all over you. Thank you. Yeah, it just wasn't funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. But then you've got the big buffet, and that's what everyone's shooting for. Because I remember thinking everyone's talking about the buffet, the all-you-can-eat buffet at night. Mm-hmm. And you can just go. That's where I tried caviar. Really? You yeah. tried caviar? I tried it. Wow. Yeah. You know what it tastes like? Uh, fish eggs? Yes. Disgusting. Wow. Disgusting. Tastes like fish eggs. Wow. Uh, you got. You know what you got to do, though? But Don't settle for the all-you-can-eat buffet for all your meals. Go to the nice sit-down restaurants. It's still all-you-can-eat, but it's in a nice environment, and the food options are generally a little better. Yeah. I like that, too. I, I, well, by the way, why are you choosing either or? And then do the poolside lunch. Yeah. Just do both. Do all of them. I just – just stuff it in there. Just stuff it. So the waiter comes by to take your order, and he says, would you like this, 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 or this? And you say, yes. No, I, I've said that. I've said, can, can I just have both? I and want he, it all. And he always looks at you like, you know what? I'm going to do a favor for you, my friend. I'm going to bring you both. Do not tell anybody I'm doing this. But everybody's doing it. Yeah. The guy at the next table's doing it. Oh, yeah. Everybody's doing it. Okay. Straight ahead, folks. Uh, We're going to be talking with Karen Mangum. She's our nutritionist. Oh, boy. I don't know if this is good timing. She's going to try to make us healthy for Thanksgiving. Plus, she's going to give us five tips for a healthy immune system so we can make it through this, uh, the the cold season as well. We're helping you get healthy. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. you got to love it. Mm, food. It's one of the great, uh, you know, equalizers. You throw down a nice meal and you can all enjoy it. 
Food doesn't have to be everything, though, and uh, who better to help us about with that is, uh, again, our our favorite nutritionist, Karen Mangum, joins us. She is a licensed registered dietitian, a seasoned recipe developer, a food blogger, and a nutrition consultant. She also has a blog uh, that you can find at InsideKaren'sKitchen.com, happens to be also the mother of uh, BYU's very own Tanner Mangum, our wonderful quarterback, who, uh, Karen, had a season-ending injury. Talk about how's your son doing. Well, I spent last week with him. He had surgery to repair the torn Achilles Ugh. tendon, and um, he is actually doing okay. He had a good week of rest and relaxation, and now he's actually back to school this week on a scooter. He's back he on that scooter that he loves. Week. Yeah, I know. It's it's very disappointing. Oh, it's sad. It's got to be but so be hard back. for you to to watch. Yeah, I he'll know. be back. Oh, yeah, he'll be back. And, again, just get him in that pocket where he's safe again. Let's just <laughs> let's keep our quarterbacks. It was in the pocket where he got hit. Is that where he got hit? Oh, geez. What do you he do? He didn't get hit. Actually, he was just stepping up to throw, and it, and it busted. So well, there that's, you go. That's probably part of the problem, too, is he – I mean, he loved being on the scooter, and he was recovering from his ankle <laughs> injury. But I'm, I'm sure that you don't get to exercise everything the way you need to when you're healing in one area. Exactly right. There was some compensation probably going on. I don't know. No. You know just, yeah. Sometimes they're just fluky, and you can be the most fit athlete – and everything going well, and it can bust. So it, it's I, interesting. Every time I hear something about Tanner, I think of Karen. And I think, <laughs> what must mom be going through? But to to watch your boy to go through that, it's hard. that's hard. That's it's why, hard. Well, that's why I don't understand how you can stay healthy. Because if I were you, I'd just eat a bunch of junk food every day. <laughs> But I'm not a stress eater. I know you're not. That's the that's the good thing. Yeah, though. but that you know, but I but I deal with stress in other ways. Oh, and, d- and those aren't always so healthy either. Yeah, but someday I someday that. we'll have to get into that, Karen. <laughs> I want to hear all the dirt. But you, today you're going to talk to us about two things. In a minute, down the road we'll get into um, a little bit of guidance for Thanksgiving, how we cannot kill ourselves. But you've also you've got a great. Um, blog entry about some tips for healthy immune system. Our food really can help us get through this flu season and the cold season. Oh, there's no question that food has plays a big role in how we build our immunity. Obviously, we need to exercise. We need to sleep well. Um, we need to deal with stress in a, in a healthy way. But next, to those three things, we also have the ability to control a lot of our health of our immunity through our food. And the very first thing that needs to be done is making sure we're eating more colorful fruits and vegetables. And I know that sounds so boring. Our mothers told us <laughs> that. We hear it all the time in the literature. But it is true. And it's not just for those valuable vitamins and minerals in fruits and vegetables. It has so much more to do with the tiny molecular phytochemicals that reside in all of these fruits and vegetables that fight disease. And there are thousands of them, and you can't isolate them all in a vitamin or mineral. And so you have to eat them. Mm. And that does mean at the grocery store you've got to pick up a wider variety and bring them home, cut them up, put them into baggies, find ways to eat them at um, you know in soups and salads and stir fries. And there's just so many different ways we can use them. 
And, of course, on my food blog, I've got lots of great ideas of using fruits and vegetables. Well, that's what I've seen just about the dishes that you cook. Um, And I've seen them on your site, but I've also seen them in person when we're at KSL together. Uh They're always colorful. And honestly, it actually, it's alluring, really. It brings you in to want to eat it, And except, but what's funny is it seems like a lot of us are just totally okay going to the bland yellows or the whites. And right. we we somehow you gotta go green. You gotta go green well, you have and to go a wide variety too, because each different vegetable and fruit has its own unique nutrient profile. So you can't just like oh, I just like green beans and corn. Mm. I mean, I do know a lot of people who just do that. But you've got to branch out a little bit more, which also means starting with your kids. Start them early because if you don't, they will just be stuck in green beans and corn. That's so and, true. Uh, for the rest of their life. And so the wider the variety, the better because of all of those unique different phytochemicals that our bodies need. Talk about, um, so it's got the phytochemicals. We hear a lot of words like phytochemicals, which you kind of talked about. But talk about prebiotics and probiotics. I hear about that all the time. What does that right. do for our immune system? This is a very exciting area of, of um, health and disease research is understanding the genome of the gut. You know, we understand the human genome, but the gut genome is very unique. And because it is filled with bacteria, both good and bad, and each bacteria has its own set of DNA. So um, it's hard to know exactly what that gut looks like. But we do know that there are the good and bad bacteria. And the more good bacteria you have in there, of course, the healthier you're going to be. Not just your gut, but your whole body. Because the gut controls so much production of hormones and stimulation of chemicals that fight disease, um, that control our blood sugar. Um, So the healthier our gut, the better. Hmm. So some of the best foods for those healthy bacteria are called prebiotics. Uh, we don't hear about these often because we talk more about the probiotic, which are the healthy, which are the healthy bacteria. But the prebiotic is the food upon which the probiotic feeds, and so we do need a lot of prebiotics. And no surprise, they are a lot of vegetables <laughs> like asparagus, garlic, artichokes, uh, onions. Um, but there are also things like carbohydrates, beans, oats, quinoa, potatoes, and yams are actually really good prebiotics along with apples and bananas. Kiwi, flaxseed, and chia seeds are also excellent prebiotics. So I have a list of them yeah. on the food blog with a great picture. And then taking in probiotic foods. So like we hear about, oh, I get my probiotics in yogurt. And that's true. The yogurt is the vehicle that carries those live active cultures. But remember this, the foods that we eat bring in, oh, you know, millions of live cultures. But we can also take a probiotic, which has billions of live cultures. And that's really where we're going to get the benefit. So I highly recommend having um, everyone start taking a probiotic that has at least seven strains and at least between 10 and 20, if not more, billions of live cultures. And you can find those at grocery stores. The one that I like a lot is called Probiotic 10 at Costco. 
And that's an easy one to take. Just start with one a day. And just take that one a day. And then it really isn't it amazing how grandma was right, mom was right, eat your vegetables. <laughs> it's And now we're getting the science of, of, the, of the biotics, but also the other side of the, what did you call them, phytochemicals? Phytochemicals, phytonutrients. I mean, phytonutrients. Uh-huh. It's, uh, how did they know? know. How did they it's know so without common. all the science? It's compelling, and it's been so exciting to be a dietitian at this time, and we're learning so much more on the molecular level, um, and we knew a lot, and we're still kind of flip-flopping on some other things, mm-hmm. um, like like even this next concept of eating enough protein. You want to make sure that we get enough protein, but too much protein can be negative. So really what we're talking about, because proteins are the building blocks of the antibodies in our body, and the antibodies are the things that fight disease. So if we don't have enough protein, if we're skipping our protein, um, which happens when we get too busy, we'll just grab uh, some crackers and, you know. Mm, True. um, Yeah. Whatever's handy. Yeah. And not focusing enough on the quality of protein. So, again, making sure that we get, for women, a palm size of protein for men, two palm sizes um, generally at each meal is sufficient. Um, to get enough protein. So palm so size is the metric. That's a metric, yep. See, that's so where that's you really want to have big hands. <laughs> As a woman, you'd like to have big hands. <laughs> that's the only time. That's <laughs> interesting. One. Because um, so, so uh, that, that's with every meal, one palm size for women of protein, two palm size for men at every meal. Right. And okay. then let me tell you this, another two palms of fruits and vegetables. There you go, yeah, yeah. For everybody. Two palms of fruits and vegetables for everybody at every meal. Isn't that crazy? That's Even great. At breakfast. Yeah, but that's... You've got to pay better attention. That's a lot of eating. Right. Uh, Can I just tell you about how much eating we do in America that involves fat and sugar? Yeah, tell me. Okay. So I, I already we have, have a our fast food. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We just want it to go, and we, we want it fast, and generally that's very high fat and sugar-laden. We just came off of Halloween. And we're heading into Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we're just faced with this dilemma. And we love our fats and sugars, and I'm not here to say that we have to cut it all out. In fact, what I am here to say is that um, part of the problem with with our immunity is that the bad bacteria feed off of sugar and Mm. unhealthy fat. So as we eat this, okay, C-R-A-P. Yeah. You know, it's, we're just feeding off of that bad bacteria and creating an unhealthy environment in the gut and therefore more susceptible to disease and sickness. So it's in our best interest to cut back. So if you find, just take an inventory, watch yourself, how much am I eating of fat and sugar, candy bars, baked goods, um, chips, cookies, all of it, all of the C's we got to cut back, see if there are ways that we can substitute instead of, you know, um, eating, drinking um, a full soda. Maybe do a half and half, half diet, half regular. Hmm. Yeah. Or um, just a single little candy bar rather than the full size. So uh, just little ways that we can cut back. No, that's great advice. And then I guess also stay hydrated. Uh-huh. That's the last one. That's number five. Because the body needs water to produce lymph, and lymph is the body's way of fighting disease. 
Um, it carries water and nutrients to the blood. It carries the white blood cells and other immune system cells from the thymus and the bone marrow throughout the body. So we need that. It gets rid of waste products. It helps our kidneys function properly so that they can remove the waste products and reabsorb the healthy nutrients. So hydration is key, and it should be, and I didn't put this on here on my blog, but it should be a quantity of about um, half your body weight in ounces. Wow. So half your body weight in ounces. In ounces. If you weigh 150 pounds, you should be drinking 75 ounces of water a day. Well, that's a that's great a that's a great rule though, because yeah, I, I keep hearing rule, different huh? numbers. Yeah, so half your body weight in ounces. Um, right now, help us with this because they can, they can go to your website uh, insidekarenskitchen.com to get that whole the, all of your five tips. And it's really it's a yes. it's an in depth article. It's and by the way, Thank great you. pictures as well. Thank um, you. Good, yeah, good visual. Very like, visual. It's colorful, Matt. That's right. And it's I'm a colorful. very visual visual person. But talk <laughs> about Thanksgiving. What what are okay. t- a couple tricks? Two or three tricks we could do this Thanksgiving to make sure we don't get carried away and then carried to the hospital. Well, the first thing I thought of was you've got to evaluate, you know, what this holiday means to you. And if it is all about the food, then yes, you're going to overeat. Yeah. <laughs> no question about it. Because this is a time of year when you're going to, you know, you're exposed to food that you don't get much any time of the, uh, any time in, in other times of the year, right? Right. I mean, we don't eat stuffing or uh, sweet potato casserole any other time of the year. Pumpkin pie doesn't show up much (laughs) any other time of the year. And so, you know, but if the holiday is about gathering, being with your family, enjoying time together, you know, watching football, taking some time off, the food can become a um, wonderful part of that gathering. And we keep it in perspective. So the best thing is to fill your plate with small amounts. Keep your portion smaller this year. Just try to do less and fill your plate with all those wonderful things that you love. Um, if you don't like sweet potatoes, of course you're not going to put that on your plate. But um, fill it with those things that you love. Take your plate to your seat. Enjoy it. Take a bite. Really savor the flavor of what you're eating. Take your time and chew slowly. Yeah. Um, that is one of the biggest keys that you can do to really enjoy that meal. Um, don't don't shove it all in because you really need to assess your signal of hunger and fullness. We talked about this a couple yeah. of weeks ago. No, and, and you've got great articles. How to eat. Yeah. Learning, I, yeah. So go to that article, too, on learning how to eat because that can also give you some good tips on slowing down, putting your fork down, making more conversation. And then you can tell, because it takes good 10, 15 minutes for your brain to signal, okay, Matt, you've had enough. It's time to stop. (laughs) Walk away. Yeah. Walk away. If you want to, though, identify what it is you really loved about that meal. Go back and get another bite or two Hmm. of that that food. And then save some space for a little dessert because you know you love the... Your, your grandma's pumpkin custard pie or yeah. whatever specialty it is. And enjoy it. Don't feel like you have to deprive yourself ever. That's what I love Never deprive. about your approach is, yeah, you don't deprive or you actually just are creating a bigger monster. I agree. Yep. That's good stuff. Karen Mangum's her name. Karen, thanks for being with us. And uh, everybody, again, go check out um, go check out her website, InsideKaren'sKitchen.com, InsideKaren'sKitchen.com. 
wonderful articles about how to slow down your eating, how to become more intentional in your eating. She's the real deal. And she's looking after Tanner Mangum's Achilles, which is uh, important to all of us. Fun stuff. Straight ahead, BYU Sports Nation. We're going to find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Plus, I want to get their take on uh, stovetop pants. Brought to you by Stovetop Stuffing. Would they wear them? Why wouldn't you? That's straight ahead on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. Just eat it. That's what Weird Al says. And uh, how better to do that than in your stovetop stuffing pants? And when you think of wearing pants with stovetop stuffing cummerbund, who better to wear those than two of the hottest uh, properties at BYU Broadcasting? Spencer and Jerem and their program, BYU Sports Nation. Are you guys there? Yeah, Yeah, we're here. And I am eating a clementine right now. Are you really? Yep, it's delicious. Oh, I love a good old Clementine. What a cute name, too, by the way. Um, did you guys hear about the stovetop stuffing pants? No. Because when I, I thought about, about it, that. Wait. <laughs> we, talked, we talked about it, and I immediately thought of you two. So okay. Stovetop has put together some apparel that they're selling, which are pants. They're, they're kind of flexible pants. They're burgundy in color. Yeah. Um, and they have at the top kind of the waist area, they have a, like a band, a, a stretchable band. that Stretchy is, pants? It's like stretchy pants. Um, but they also have uh, – it's the image of stovetop stuffing. And, and so you wear them, you wear them at, uh, during the holiday because then you can stuff more stuffing in yourself because the pants will expand with you. An ingenious idea, Matt. Do you not think so? So I wanted to know what you guys are planning to wear to um, Thanksgiving. Do you wear like I mean I, I, I imagine even thought of that. Well, sure you have. Come it's on, it's at my house. Okay, I'm hosting my in-laws. So I'm just wondering, do you wear pants that need a belt, or are you more of got like the guy that's just going to wear the leisure suit, the I don't mm. know some nice attractive suit? Typically, typically there is this idea that we. Dress up a little bit nicer for Thanksgiving. Yeah, you would dinner, think so. Right? And yeah, you guys, yeah, it's like yeah. a formal event of sorts. Yeah, not, not so formal, semi-formal, a tie yeah. or something. But you could wear, you know, a, a collared shirt. Mm. I'd probably wear some up. some dark slacks and a sweater. Wow, a sweater. You guys are going to look good. I was thinking more of just like BYU sweats and. Maybe a BYU shirt. Hoodie. That's a what hoodie. I want to wear. Yeah. But it's a formal thing. But don't you like the idea of a hoodie because you could put your hands in the front pocket and yes. they could just you could just rest them gently on your belly? Yeah. Shove yeah. some rolls in there for exactly. later. Yeah, for later. <laughs> like yeah. you need to sneak it or something? Yeah. Like Yeah. I'm a grown adult. I can eat whatever I want. Ooh. Look at you taking the power back. Yeah, my mom's not gonna be there. Yeah, so you gotta you're... take the power back. <laughs> you guys do different but, voices every time but, on the show. It's true. Before we eat, before we eat, what do I always say? I always say, "Regulators, mount up. up!" Wow, really? And then we eat. That's how it works. And then you eat. <laughs> then we eat. Then everybody just starts digging into their food. That's funny because what we do, we just have a prayer of thanks. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, but, okay. Sometimes but, I'll bless the food, then I'm like, wait, what is being <laughs> blessed here? Like, is it going to transform? Yeah, bless us. So then I'm like, let us give grace. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Moving. Hey, um, you guys are still doing your show, right? Yes, Matthew. I don't know why it's still in Matt, question for me. Dr. Matthew. <laughs> Dr. Matt. It's your go-to, right? It's my go-to. It's your go-to. I have a million go-tos, and I always go to them. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. We are discussing the hype machine today, Matt. Oh, really? Are you more of the opinion as a fan that things should be hyped up or people should just pipe down? Yeah. Like, which do you prefer as a fan? Because BYU fans in large part, feel like they have been burned yeah. by the most recent basketball and football seasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So under- where do you lie on the spectrum no, it's, now? It's very simple. You always under-commit and over-deliver. So you That's under-hype. Key to happiness. And you over-deliver. Key to happiness. The problem is if you over-hype and under-deliver, you're going to be looking for a new job. That is, the, that is a problem, and we will discuss uh, because – Football didn't deliver. Mm. Basketball didn't deliver last year. So how do you feel yeah, yeah. about that idea? Plus, which team on campus deserves the hype? We'll go to New Jersey, not once but twice. Mm-hmm. Two times. Greg Bell, the voice of the Cougars, as BYU gets ready for BYU and Princeton. Yes. <laughs> Tonight on BYU Radio, 7 Eastern, pregame coverage at 6 with your boy Jason Shepard. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Give me a give me. Ooh, that's, BYU's a that's four a and a half question. point uh, underdog. Are they really? Yep. Come on. We'll ask Quincy Lewis, who he thinks will win. He's okay. an assistant coach on the basketball team as well. BYU signed two guys. We'll tell you about them. Cool, cool. Yeah, and our two-on-one with one of the 20 BYU football seniors who are going to play their final home game mm. of sorts uh, on Saturday. A guy who did not know who Joe Critchlow was until last week. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> he's reading the news. And he's like, who's this Joe Critchlow? <laughs> His words were, who's this ginger throwing the ball around? <laughs> Who this? He's like, what happened to Tanner Mangum? What happened? <laughs> what happened? By the way, I just talked to Karen Mangum, and uh, probably a little scoop for you. Oh. She she confirmed torn, torn Achilles. Yeah. And he's back on the scooter, so he's happy again. Well, the scooter life is the one uh, positive caveat. Right? Totally. That guy and his scooter, the bomb. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Get better, Tanner. Yeah, he's a good man. Hey, um, okay, so it's going to be a good show. I can already tell. But, uh, yeah. But you may be blowing up the hype, mi- the hype master, the hype meister. I dare say this will be the greatest show in the history <gasps> of Wednesday November uh, shows. You may have just overhyped it. <laughs> you didn't learn a thing that we were talking about. Underhype it. Okay. Yeah, don't expect much. In fact, um, honestly, y- you may just want to just turn the radio off after uh, <laughs> you listen to Matt. Okay, yeah. You know what? I'm going to hype it for you then. <laughs> okay. Because I can overhype you guys, but you can't overhype yourself. That's that's what Mama used to say. Thanks, boys. Knock them dead. Get down. They got to. I know. They got to get their makeup. They got to get pumped up. It's like Jeff and I before our show. Uh, we actually we've never done. We've never done a push-up. No, but we have other rituals. Like you will slap me in the face yeah. at least five times. Yeah, but that's I, – I, I don't – I see that just as fun. Oh. That's not – has nothing to do with anything. I mean the, the number 
keeps increasing, so I keep wondering, is this like a birthday slap? It's no, not even just, my birthday. Just, no, I'm just venting. Just getting my <laughs> getting my emotions out. You know? It's not I mean no offense. Terry has a little cry in the corner. Yeah, Terry's always in the corner crying. Yeah. And then I'm always trying to find the headline. And the the funny thing is sometimes there are no headlines. They're all they're all lines. There's just lines, they're headless lines. Thousands of lines, none of them ahead. Ah. Anyway, so let's get to the hero story, right? That's why we do uh, the show is to, to give you this chance to see that you too can be a hero. Listen to this. Uh, a bunch of men were sitting in a, a, a church meeting in Rexburg, Idaho. Uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints took an unusual turn in their meeting on Sunday night that resulted in two leaders saving teenage girls in a submerged car. Around 15 men from Rexburg, Idaho, were meeting in the chapel of the LDS Church, and they were discussing a variety of issues when one of the leaders, who is an on-call volunteer for the Madison Fire Department, interrupted the speaker around 6.10, saying, Hey, I just got a notification that there was something going on down the road. Uh, Joe Palmer, a leader at the meeting, said he made it uh, sound like someone was pinned under a car, trapped car, and that they could all get there faster than the ambulance. So everyone in the group jumped from their seats, ran to their vehicles, and Palmer and two other men, Corey Wilcox and Joe Campbell, led the way into Palmer's pickup truck. When they arrived the scene um, on the scene of the emergency, everyone else in their group found uh, that uh, there was a vehicle uh, actually upside down in a canal full of water. And they pulled up alongside, jumped in. Uh, Corey and Joe went uh, m- blowing by me on either side and jumped right into the water and pulled two teenage girls that were trapped inside the car. How amazing is that? They jumped in, by the way. They would have been in suits. They would have been in, uh, you know, Sunday best. And in doing so, they ended up saving the life of, uh, of two teenage girls. So they are the heroes of the day. And really, all they would say is they just listened to the call and uh, did what they could. And that's all all of us would ever be expected to do. And that's really what makes the best hero. Those that are paying attention, those that are willing to step in. That's our program, folks. We're here every Monday through Friday, 9 to noon Eastern Time, right here on Sirius XM 143. And you can find us on iTunes, on TuneIn. Go to BYURadio.org. But stick with us because up next, more fun from BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation.